don't think you get to hang out. I know. Well, you were busy getting married. You, you kicked us out of the house. You did kick us out of the house. Well, I exactly what I said was going to happen. Three drunk girls making flower arrangements at 2 o'clock in the morning. Right. That is more the reason why I should have been sleeping on the couch like I was the night before. Well, where was Justin going to sleep? That's not my problem. The three of us piled in our bed and went to sleep for four hours. That sounds naughty the night before your wedding. It was not. Just hot, drunk girls laying in bed. Snoring. All their fingers all tore up and clipped from making flower arrangements. Thorns. <laughs> well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We're now live. <laughs> Snakes and Stogies, episode 49. My name is Phil Wolf, and I'm joined by Mr. and Mrs. Smith now. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. Welcome to the show, kids. So where do you want to start? Do you want to start before the wedding? Do you want to start after the wedding? I want to hear about the honeymoon. I want to hear about, you know, Schmitty losing his virginity. I got to hear all about it. So Even, your dog. Dog. <laughs> Even your dog. Even your dog. What's up? Thank you, Mike. Justin's virginity was taken successfully. You deflowered him like a professional. Gently. Firm, but gentle. Firm but gentle. Mm -hmm. He it's liked the it. Best eight seconds of your life. Yep. So we had the wedding episode of Snakes and Stogies, which was super cool. Kind of awkward because I didn't know where to look. Like where was it? We did it at Mom and Dad's when you kicked us out of the house. Oh, I didn't know. Yep. I hadn't even watched that one. I didn't know, so I could tr to troll you. Oh, mom. So, oh wow, mom is in here. That's pretty cool. What's up, Mrs. Smith? Oh, there's two of you now. <laughs> Did Justin tell you what my dad said when he texted him for your number? No. <laughs> he said, me, you, gotta, you gotta show it to him, you gotta show it to him. <clears throat> well, I told you what your father said to me about Justin, right? That he's a real man. Yes. Your father, your father, he put his hand on my shoulder and he yeah. said, he said I'm very happy that my daughter met Justin because Justin is a real man. Not Aww. like most of the kids in this generation. He's a real Not like man. you, Phil. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. man, that's like the best thing a father-in-law could ever say. That is, oh, I forgot you gave Dad a cookie. That is a really nice thing to say. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Bill texted me and said, send me snake emoji and like amper, an ampersand, a little smoke cloud fills contact information, please. <laughs> That's good. That's awesome. So, does he know that he can go on YouTube and watch this? Did you guys tell him about the... About the your dad. Snakes and stogies? Of course. Well, I'm, I mean, I mentioned it. We talked about it at the wedding. I sat next to the guy at the dinner table, for Christ's sake. I got you. I got you. I was like, you know what? There no. were dinner tables? There were. You know what I mean. I, I I was eating standing up in the kitchen, so. Oh, you didn't? I, I sit down. I was afraid of dropping it on my wedding dress. Oh. So, yeah. So, tell us about the honeymoon. 
I think it was fun. Um, went to Chimney Rock, which is like 30, 45 minutes outside of uh, Asheville. Nice. Um, is that by Mill Springs? What? Where? Mill Springs. That doesn't ring a bell. My parents live in Mill Springs, which sounds, I think it's by Chimney Rock. Justin was ready to give up on Chimney Rock the first night. Really? Everything was closed. It's kind of like here. Except worse. The sidewalks roll up about 5 p.m. Except for a few places to eat. But it's nice during the day. It's very touristy during the day. And there's lots of cool things to see. Nice, nice. Nature-wise. So, real quick, uh, what are you smoking? 300 Manos Maduro. Nice. Never heard of it. It's a Southern Draw. It's one of their one of their smokes. It's called 300 Hands because a minimum of 300 hands are what are used to grow and roll cigars. Really? Mm-hmm. That makes me a little apprehensive to put it in my mouth. I was about to say. It's fun. 300 hands have touched it. Yeah. That's Maybe. how you get COVID, kids. Yeah. So you did the Chimney Rock the first night, and from there, where'd you go? No, we did Ash. Well, we got there late Sunday. So we, Yeah, we, we didn't leave oh, town. I took my man to Chili's. Yeah. Sunday night, courtesy of the gift cards that I got from Mama Shelly. And um, he was super excited about it. I got a picture of him enjoying his chicken nuggets. Chicken crispers. Chicken crispers. And by the way. Honey chipotle chicken crispers. <laughs> I'm glad he enjoyed it, Mama Shelly. Glad he enjoyed it. Look at that guy. Look at that guy with him. Look at that Look at that satisfied face. What kind of, what kind of uh, uh, sugar tea did you get? <laughs> I just got sweet tea. Oh. Cause you gotta get you gotta get like the raspberry, the mango. No, no, no. Yeah, you did that one time though, and you. I think you drank more of that tea. Than that was you the did. Like Ren. Was that Ren? Yeah. There's a place downtown that does this awesome. Like it's tea, but it's got like some peach and like a little sliver of orange and a uh, strawberry slice, and then some mint leaves, and it's like. We gotta take Phil there good. next time he comes. Nice. An aristocrat. And then we did, so we did Asheville Monday. And Asheville was cool. It's down, we went downtown. And saw my first all gender bathroom. Nice. Good for you. Which, I mean, any bathroom can be an all gender bathroom. Was there a chance to make it? I don't remember. I had to pee so bad. I was like, I didn't care. Yeah. But then tell them about the Scar Lounge we went on. We did go to, so we made a couple stops. There's, there's a handful of shops in like downtown Asheville. Um, only one of them is a lounge, and that's the one we ended up hanging out at. I did, we did stop into some of the other ones. Um, one of them was like Carolina Cigar Company, I think, and he carries most of his own brand. I didn't buy any to try. 
kind of should have, but I was also kind of on the fence because they didn't look like they were really anything to write home about. Um, you never know, man. Yeah, I don't know. Those no band sleepers are the best. Um, then we stopped at another shop that was more or less like a head shop, and they had yeah. a, like a, like a walk in, but their selection was decent. Um, nothing too crazy. Uh, thanks, Andy. And Mike, I have uh, some die I keep in my pocket that I roll when I want to decide. I just. <clears throat> but then we went to that cigar lounge. It was called Boomers Bourbon and Cigars, and it's like a straight up bar. Was everyone over the age of sixty? No, we were like the only ones there at first because they didn't open until five. No, but there's a bunch of young people that came in. No. Mm. They had. I. It was great. I would have gone back just to hang out. The ambiance was cool. Good. It confirmed my whole thesis on cigar shops of there's shops that are, they either have a really awesome lounge and a very subpar selection as far as smokes. And then there's shops that have awesome selection and inventory of smokes, but the lounge is kind of meh. Yeah. And this one had an awesome lounge, but they had like a single cabinet of cigars. I was, was so surprised. It was fairly run-of-the-mill, like Romeo's. Uh, I smoked a McAuliffe torpedo of some kind. I don't remember what it was. It burned super fast. It was rolled really loose like a patron. And okay. then uh, I smoked a Leaf um, Corojo. Beautiful. Yeah. And then I, he made he made drinks. Like, they have a little drink menu. And I got something that was like a playoff and old-fashioned, but... I watched dude make it, and it was literally like three fingers of freaking rye. I didn't know when he was going to stop and I was pouring. Just looking at it like, oh. So by the time we left there, I was feeling pretty good. We were both feeling sure. pretty good because my champagne cocktail had champagne and vodka in it. And the, it sucks because Asheville, Asheville has a lot of slopes. And so trying to walk while slightly intoxicated. I was going to say, you're probably not driving. <laughs> No. no. I do. I can appreciate that Kate got a champagne cocktail because that drink is almost forgotten about, and it's quite good. I love champagne. It's my favorite. She does. She does. Well, I love champagne. She does drink it a lot. I like to pop the cork. She's not I think it's a lot of fun when it goes. Especially when you point it at someone's eyeball. Which I have never done. Katie, you're the person that goes to brunch at three in the afternoon for all day mimosas. That's I just want to get some mimosas, my I girlfriend. Just, I just want to dance. I just want to dance. Bottomless mimosas. <laughs> Bottomless. You, you need to go to, whenever we go to P and Cody's again, you need to have a manmosa. What is that? That is a shock top with orange juice. If you get the ratio right, it's actually very good. Nice. Interesting. It is interesting, but he is like a pro at making those things. All right. Well, he is awesome, so we should do that. Most definitely. So you guys did your mountain excursions. Did you do anything outdoorsy or no? Yes, Tommy. We can get mimosas. 
We had really good intentions of hiking a trail. Didn't happen. It never happened. We went and sat on some nice rocks. Yeah, so like Chimney Rock, there's... It's called the Broad River. And is it, it actually a river? Yes, because it flows all through the mountain. Like you can follow this there's river. There's like a, a waterfall that comes down off this mountain that you can see. And then it all zigzags down the mountain or whatever and goes where it goes. But then there's a river at the bottom and there's a ton of these just massive like rock. Yeah, there you go. Like rocks the size of cars. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so we ended up just hanging out and sitting on some of those rocks for like an hour. At least. Oh, this I is his grandma a, craft picture. I need to get that and post it still. Pick of the day. Yeah. Let me send that to you right now. But it was nice. Like the weather was nice, just like with the wedding. Wedding was or the weather was perfect. Um, didn't have any rain the entire time we were up there. That's awesome. Oh yeah. Justin found his people. Nice. That's awesome. I want you to look at this face. <coughs> that is. You need to send me that right now. <laughs> that needs. My, my people need ammo right now. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Did you flip any rocks and look for salamanders or newts? No. Those rocks are so big. There's a lot of people there, too. I mean, it probably wouldn't have. It did stick my feet in the water, and it was freezing. Nice. But it was really pretty. I would like to go back again and hike Chimney Rock. It is 500 steps. They yeah, do. she was like, are we going to hike 500 steps? Okay. Hell no. They bought an elevator. The elevator ain't up right now. The elevator ain't Somebody. up right Okay, so my friend's wife is very much into hiking, like legit hiking. And she was telling me about these hikers that they count steps. It's like, oh, this one's a thousand steps, this one's three thousand steps. And all I can think about is, well, are there stairs? Because, like, when I go hiking, we just measure it in kilometers or miles or however far it is. And oh. I think it's interesting. Cause like I think last time I went on like a legit, you know, mountain excursion. I mean, I don't even know how many steps we did. We did like 13, 14 miles in the first day. So like I don't know oh. how you measure that. How many steps is that? Now I'm curious. I don't know. I don't know. You have no idea. It depends on how big your strides are. You know, it wasn't it wasn't 13 miles. I'm exaggerating. I think it was it was like a mile to the base and then it was like six or seven miles up i don't remember anyway <clears throat> now i'm curious now i have to go back on my phone i have to go to the iphone oh. little heart app and see how many steps that was it was it was nice we were out in like this little tiny house in the middle of nowhere that we did not get murdered in which wasn't did you walk around naked no. Justin did run into the doorway during the middling of the night. They had like, it was a tiny house, so it has these little sliding doors. Pocket right? doors. Pocket, sure. They go in the pocket. And if you ain't paying attention, you're half asleep. You bounce off one. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm glad you guys had fun. I really am. It was it was, a it, was a nice it was a nice week. I could have stayed a little. I, I was. I day. was ready to be back. You wanted to get back to the things. I just. I'm a routine guy. I'm 
Got to get back to the, the routine. Well, did I tell you that I almost got, or in my personal opinion, I almost got carjacked in Beaufort? Really? So, <laughs> where were you? Is the first question. Um, about to get, all right. You know when you take, <clears throat> you're exiting the island, or you're, you're, you've exited the island, now you're in Beaufort, and you're driving past the shop, and there's that bend, mm -hmm. right? So you take that curve and you go down and like right when it starts to open up and like it gets to be more and there's like three lanes i think it is there's a light there before that dunkin donuts that we went to mm -hmm. i'm at one of those lights about maybe a quarter of a mile from the dunkin donuts and i'm i'm in the at the red light and i have the windows down i'm smoking a cigarette i got the music blasting and this homeless looking guy starts walking up from up the adjacent corner of the intersection. And I'm like, oh, God, he's going to talk to me. I know he is. And he goes, hey, you. Hey. Hey, you. And I just ignored him. And then he comes up to the median, and he's, like, within, like, spitting distance. And he's like, yo, man, yo, let me get a ride to Walmart. And I was like, no, nah, man, I can't do that. And he puts both he just, his like, hands. Slowly roll up the window. <laughs> no, he puts both his hands in his in his pockets, in his like hoodie pockets, and he's got stuff in there. And he does one of these. He's looking at me. He goes. He puts his hands up. Goes. And then green light, and I just went. And I was like, "Not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. Not today." I was like, "If this was South Florida, it'd be very different." That is so crazy. Because that. The town is so quaint and cute and like harmless looking. And then I was like, well, look at this dude trying to roll me. Yeah. Hilarious. That's so crazy. Well, apparently there's a new law in Beaufort where if you're homeless and you're like panhandling, they can remove you. You can ask people nicely, but you can't ask them like over and over again. Or they'll remove you. So it's like you can ask for money, like a little bit, but if you're aggressive about it, they can. The cops can. That's now an offense. Yeah, we had a homeless dude that was like a Vietnam vet, and he was pretty nuts. This guy he was died a couple years ago. Drug addict. Yeah. Well, they wanted to put a statue up of this guy after he died. I was like, we're gonna put a statue up of a guy who literally just walked around and took people's money for. That's no reason. Yeah. But Phil did get did, did he did get to see both shops. Nice. Mm -hmm. He got to hang out at the house. He got to hang out at my parents' house. By the way, that's that's where we did the last episode. I can't thank your parents enough for their hospitality. They are wonderful individuals. They they like you a lot. I was about to say I think the feelings are mutual. They're awesome. Your parents are phenomenal. Both of your parents are phenomenal. You guys have legit awesome parents. Like Apparently, that's a rarity. It is. It is a rarity. I wouldn't. <clears throat> but yes, but most definitely kudos to Justin's parents for putting me up and being awesome and coffee and food and friendliness and just awesome people, man. They are. They're the best. Yeah. Everything worked out. We were very happy with the uh, reception yeah. and the ceremony. Yeah, did you have fun at the wedding? Everything was, was it fun? Absolutely. It was a blast. 
There's a blast. Like I just wanted everyone to have fun. Yeah. I was kind of bummed all the cigars disappeared. I was bummed that nobody wanted to dance. That was the point. Yeah, but I was like expecting at least to have some left over. I got I managed to score like two pocketed them. Did Corey give you he said he, he did. I um I realized that I smoked sixteen cigars in about 75, 72 hours. Did your lungs feel like they were charred? No. No, because you don't inhale them. You even have to inhale a little bit. No, you, you don't. have to. No. It just I happens. didn't inhale any of that just now. It just but happened. I, but I think that was the most cigars I've consumed in that short of time. Bye, Dom. Bye, Dom. Ah, and Scott says that he can't believe there was no herping. There was herping. There was definitively herping, and I think you—I think you oh, meant the honeymoon. Yeah, like oh, the honeymoon. Oh, well, yeah. It was too—it was too cool up there, and I know North Carolina has some odd laws, so I was like, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. We I'm all can't just go find Australopithecus superbus in the cold ass mountains and snow and shit. Scott, did Justin tell you I found a coral snake? Uh, I didn't know that you found it. I found. And why would this right out of the corner of my eye? I was gonna say, if finding it entails, oh hey, look, a coral snake. <laughs> that counts. That counts. I've never found one in the wild ever. I found a wild one. <laughs> Scott says, "All I'm hearing is excuses." <laughs> I've just come to the conclusion that Scott is just the Australian nipper. <laughs> I feel like that's very accurate. Like they're, they're the, that is literally what it's become, and I love him for it. Does Nipper ever tune in on? No, because it's like four a.m. where he's at. At least, yeah, it's like noon for. He's got to sleep. <laughs> it is. I do find it incredibly warm and 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 uplifting when him when Scott and Nipper both harass me on the internet together. Like that just makes me feel legit complete. Like I've succeeded in this world that two of my herpetoculture idols get to break my balls on the regular. I love it. Feels so good. You guys should meet halfway somewhere. <clears throat> what is halfway between Australia and the UK? Here. Hawaii? No. Uh, Mexico? Mexico ish? Florida. No, I'd say Mexico. Florida's too too far east. But I did go back to try and find that coral snake. And? I mean, it's it's like prime, terrain. super soft soil. Like when you, it's almost like spongy. When you walk on it, you can feel your feet sort of sinking into it. So it's like it's the big magnolia tree. Yeah. So it's on the leaves. I was like, this is like prime. This is a coral snake's wet dream. Legit. So I went back and looked around a little bit for him. Just like day, day before yesterday, yesterday. I don't know, but yeah, I yesterday. did go look around and I didn't expect to find it again. But it's one of our neighbors, and so it was kind of funny because she, you know, she's like, "Oh, I see coral snakes all the time." And I'm like, "Yeah, you see coral snakes. Uh, you see scarlet snakes or scarlet kings." And then she sends me that picture, and I was like, "Oh." She actually does see coral snakes. Nice. It was actually really funny because she yeah. was panicking. And she's like, get Justin to come get it. And I was like, he's going to work. And she goes, her whole face just fell. And I was like, I'm sorry. I find, well, I, 
was talking to her. I was like, if you don't her, bother him, he won't bother you. I was telling know? her, I was like, it, it kind of takes a pretty good bit to really get a coral snake going. Like, they literally are like the sh- some of the shyest snakes. Like, they just, they just, and it's like, I like telling people, it's like, oh, you saw one? That means there's eight more in your yard that you'll never see. <laughs> Sweet. It means that there's right about that. in your yard as we speak, and no one will ever see them. What's up, Dallas? Well, it was weird because they also saw it at like 10.30, 10.45 in the morning. Really? Which I thought, yeah. I thought that was interesting. That's how I saw it so good. I was fully yes, awake by them. Scott says Galapagos. That would be halfway. We can and all dress up like Darwin. Epic. I would totally do that. In a New York minute. Catch I'll finches win. and I'll study them. Dude, I literally was going to say I will bring my own birdcage for a finch. Fucking <laughs> great minds think alike. But we did, I mean, we did a little herping. Win. At mom and dad's. Oh. The night you kicked us out. I think you're talking about me. I just took I got to be honest. I really love this photo of Justin. And I'm so happy that I took this picture. Uh, where the hell is it? It was an omen. A good one, I guess. Or omens generally bad. No, it was a sign. Is what it was. A good omen. A bad omen. I don't know. But basically, we found a, a southeastern crown snake, which is pretty cool. It's Tantilla Coronata. Uh, I haven't seen one of those in a very, very, very long time. So it was cool to flip a rock. And there one was. I've never seen one before. The night before I'm getting married. Yeah. <clears throat> How awesome is that picture? I think it's a great picture. I wish the I'm wearing that shirt right now. I wish the background was black so you could see the photo better, but that photo, like, it just, that photo has depth. It has feeling to it. With your head it literally is just, it's, it's just an awesome photo. And then here, I got one of the specimen close up. There you go. Look at that little guy. Yep. A snake with a ring the day before you get married. I love it. Yeah. I was waiting on some, some centipedes. It's a nigger. But that was, we were, we were way more excited about that than we probably should have been. We were. Dude, that, I'm like, sorry. A little tiny ass snake. We're both in the middle of the woods at midnight going, oh my God, dude. Well, that's that's it. Nice I, I, we lifted that rock up, and I was like, "Ah, oh, it's just a worm." And you're like, "Dude, I think it's Tantilla. That's Tantilla. That's Tantilla. Get it, get it, get it, get it." And that was it, man. What's up, Danny? Twilla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was awesome. It was fun. Hmm. I was. I enjoyed it all. I was. Glad when everything was kind of over because it was like no more planning, no more. No, not like that. We're getting all upset. I'm saying, no more decisions about the wedding. No <laughs> more. No more. Hey, we gotta. Stuff. We gotta buy this. Like, hey, we gotta get this. It's just we did it. It's over. Look at that. There it is. Look at that shit. You guys feel any different? Everyone asks us that. No. Good. 
That's the way it should I, be. I don't in any, like, major capacity. It, it feels, feels nice. It's more solidified and now that I, there's nowhere I can run. <laughs> You're stuck with me. Trapped like rats. Speaking of, I did a deep clean on the mice today and it felt really good. Yeah. Don't know why. Because you're just, psychotic? There, no, there's just something about having clean mice and clean tubs and a clean water reservoir and all that stuff. It's just that like. That sounds very Australian. Like, what? that's the epitome of Australia to me. What did Scott say? Said, so I got told no catching venomous 48 hours before my wedding, 3 a.m. in the morning of the Arvo wedding. Me and my best man are in the swamp chasing snakes and frogs. Australia. Hashtag. I mean, we did the same Australia. thing. We just didn't find any crazy shit. We did. Y'all came pretty close to a swamp, I'm sure, because there's several of them. We didn't really. No, venture. Brian, um, the only close call. Everything was smooth sailing, except at the very last minute, I'm sitting in the car waiting to be told when to walk down the aisle. And Steve, Justin's dad, comes and says, where are the rings? And I hand him the ring box. And he walks away. And then he comes walking back. He goes, there's no rings in this ring box. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah. And he opens it, and it's empty. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh my God, where are the rings? Oh my God. And the last person I knew had them was the photographer. And I watched her put them in the box and then put the box in my bag. And um, my mom had them. I don't know why. She, she took them out of the box and was just holding them, ready to hand them to someone. She give everybody a heart attack. That was it. Because her ring is like a family ring from like the 60s. It's antique. So, cool. I think that's not how. Jesus. That's not one I want to lose. Justin got me a rubber ring when I was still working at the hospital because I was terrified I was going to pull a glove off and the yeah. diamond was going to fall out or get snatched off my hand and I'd throw it in the garbage. Or I was like, I'm, I'm not risking great grandma's ring. Smart. Smart. So, see, man, I'm I'm afraid that if I ever find a girl that's willing to deal with my bullshit forever, I hate wearing rings. It's definitely yeah. an adjustment. Yeah. But he likes it because he gets to tap it on stuff. <clears throat> okay. Like President Underwood. Well, I would. Just take it off and then get yelled at. He's president underwear. I mean, I take it off at night because you know how like your fingers and stuff swell. I ain't trying yeah. to wake up to a finger that looks like I got bit by an Atrox. That's true. That is true. Yeah. So, and I, I took it off earlier when I was cleaning mice too because I was like, I really don't want to get this all gross and moused up. You know? Yeah. Moused up. <laughs> you don't wear gloves. I do, but I took it off because I also didn't want it to like get in the way. So. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be any pictures where snakes are in them. 
Bill really dropped the ball there. We dropped the ball on what? We could have totally had Condros in our wedding pictures. <laughs> I tried to get her. I have two little Condro pins that are the same. I totally tried to convince her to let me put them on my lapel. Yeah. Like one on each side, and she completely denied me. And they're like super small; like no one would have even noticed. The green would have really popped on that dark, dark blue suit. With your pitiophis bolt, uh, bolt. I did my pitiophis bow tie. Pretty sweet. That was pretty cool. That was my mom. There's a guy in Las Vegas who makes all kinds of snakeskin stuff. Mike, I'm not a chondro hater. It's just not for me. Although I do have a uh, new Jag that I am going to uh, contemplate pairing with a Chondro in the future. On principle. Some men just like to watch the Wilbur. Yes. <laughs> I am on the verge of cooling a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah? So. Here it. Okay. Good night, Mrs. Smith. <clears throat> Good night. Um, so I got that pair of bears that I'm going to try again. Cool. And hopefully not jack up incubation again. Good. Horns. Um, How's my sand, man? Which one? What? My eggs. Oh, they're fine. Good. Those are, those are due to hatch next month. I'm thinking between the middle or end. Of the month, uh, but they're looking good. Um, so, chondro eggs. I think I might be expecting some within the next couple weeks, just given that my pair is pretty much gone off being attached to each other, and females been doing a little bit of swelling and stuff. So, I think we're on the right track there. Um, I'm probably going to pair the cyania again after this clutch ha hatches. So probably in December, they'll go back together. Sweet. Um, so bears, horns, more cyania, more chondros. I need to weigh my female Western hog and see where she's at. I know she was, she's, she's still had a pretty good way to go weight wise. Um, like 2,000 grams, right? Huh? Like 2,000 grams, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so those I may pair at some point, but those are also kind of on the list of things that I've contemplated moving just because they're non-essential for personnel. Um, but if everything goes according to plan, it will be quite the, quite the season. So It sounds like it will be. I got to pee real quick. And yes, Dan, you should definitely do your albino Darwin and your brettles because that will look awesome. That will look phenomenal. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> I came back from the wedding and I I actually was checking up on my on my stuff and both my year they're yearling now, which is crazy. Uh, yearling Darwins, and they just get lighter and lighter and lighter, and they're just awesome and like. They're not my favorite, but they're like becoming my favorite, if that makes any sense. <clears throat> and yes, oh, Sean, welcome to the party, my friend. And I know I'll, 
albino bright light are a thing and they're phenomenal looking. And uh, Ryan Cox was actually just sending us pictures recently about them. They looked fucking cool. So, yeah. Um, I just this afternoon finally bought the adhesive Velcro, <clears throat> excuse me, for my new Cloud Forest Design Venomous Labels. So for those of you who are unaware, I asked the fine folks at Cloud Forest Design to make me their classic labels for my venomous species. Per the Florida law, it has to say danger venomous reptile uh, verbatim. And then it has to have the common name, the scientific name. And I chose that instead of having the ICUN red list, you know, endangered status on the bottom, um, cut back some of those scientific facts because let's face it, no one my collection and put the actual antivenom for each species. That way, I can peel the label off of the Velcro and take it with me. Um, so I was actually just doing that before I came on the show. Speaking of Boyga. Speaking of Boiga, Boiga. <laughs> will you explain to me what was going on last night on the Facebook machine? Yes. So, for those of you who are unaware, there is a Facebook group uh, called Venomous Reptiles Mentorship, I think it is. And it basically was started by a guy named Dr. E, who is an actual doctorate. Uh, and he's a professor of herpetology, I believe, in Arizona. And Dr. E has been doing herpetological stuff for as long as I can remember. The guy's awesome. And uh, he keeps all kinds of high-speed stuff, mamba stuff like that. He also does a bunch of rattlesnakes and vipers. But he started this page basically to help people find mentors. So if you're in South Carolina and there is no license in South Carolina, but you want to get hours or you want to get experience with an actual mentor, you can chat with folks and whatever else. And when I started in the group, it was a few years ago and it was maybe around 12 or 1300 people in there. And it was great because there was really no riffraff. It was very much a legitimate, serious community who could still joke and have fun. Yes, Scott Thomas. Um, so basically, the group has blown up. And I believe there's over 6,000 members now. And there's a lot of people in there that don't keep venomous. There's a lot of people in there that are thinking about keeping venomous. There's a lot of yahoos who honestly shouldn't have venomous. But every once in a while, if something happens in my life that I feel might be constructive to the venomous community, I will... Post a, a post a post about it, you know. Oh, my rattlesnake did this, or oh, my cobra did that. And hey, for those of you who don't know, uh, be adv advised this can happen. So last night, I was doing some spot cleaning, and I, I changed out a bunch of substrate, and I have my big Boiga cynodon in a uh, display vision cage. It's a three by two by two. It's like a big giant screen, and. Um, it's still in, for lack of a better word, it's still in quarantine. So I have paper towels and I have a bunch of fake plants and some, you know, uh, dried out grapevine. And I have a black plastic hide box. I have a small rock cave and I have a big rock water dish. And I kind of made it all bushy as I could. Well, normally this snake lives in its black hide cave. And because it's Boiga, I'm a little more lax with it. You know what I mean? It's still venomous. It's still potentially dangerous. But I'm not going to treat it like a rattlesnake or a cobra that's going to lash out and be defensive because it's a boiga. 
So I unlock the cage, it is key locked. I open the glass with my hand and then I reach my hand and I touch the black cave because I'm gonna lift the cave up to expose the snake and then I can use a hook to remove the animal. But I get this feeling like I'm being watched. So I stop and I kind of poke my head around the corner because my roommate oftentimes will like sneak in the room just to hang out or talk or whatever. But he always makes sure I don't have like something on the hook that I would be distracted and then, you know, get injured or hurt or killed or whatever. So I thought it was him creeping in. So I turn, I look and the door's closed and I'm like, okay, something's watching me. And I turn behind and I look and I'm like, what's going on? And I look back at the cage and literally this is what I see. I'll show the picture. So this animal was sitting here the entire time in plain sight and I had no idea because it blended in with that grapevine so perfect. And I realized that I made a horrible, horrible mistake. I assumed the animal was in there and due to its honestly phenomenal camouflage, it did. It's not like it posed there after I opened the cage. No, it was there the whole time. And um, here, let me go. So if you can see, here's the main body of the animal. And then it kind of ropes back around here. And then it S's up. And here's the actual snake's head right here. And he or she, I haven't sexed it yet. It was watching me the whole time and just sitting there, just being patient, waiting to see what I was going to do. And uh, so I posted a thing on this mentor group saying, hey, this animal's hiding in plain sight right in front of me. And thank God it wasn't something more. If it was a snake, it would have bit me. If it was a snake, it would have bit me now. So I put a post up saying, hey, and I tell the exact story about me feeling weird and looking around the corner and all that shit. And the people that chime in. First, it's just a sign of Don. Well, first of all, it starts off with, that's a great thing you put up imagine if it was more dangerous and now I have to tell my story about blah, 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 which is fine. People have to tell their story. I get it. And then certain individuals chime in basically saying that Boiga is not real venomous. And, uh, uh, I don't even remember. I was so mad. I was so frustrated <clears throat> that they had to, a, they had to piss my Cheerios and B. That was Jason. Uh, acidy. And then not only did I have to piss my Cheerios, but the whole point of this was not to ridicule me or to say, oh, I don't know what I'm fucking doing. It was to show, hey, I've been doing this over a decade. Accidents still happen. Thank God it wasn't something more dangerous. Now, granted, I would not have opened the glass with my hand if it was more dangerous. I wouldn't have reached my hand in if it was more dangerous. I would not have done if it I was wouldn't. more medically significant. Correct. If it was more medically significant, I wouldn't have done any of that. But again, I still didn't see the animal. Now, granted, had I taken the time to do what I always do and look and find the animal first, that would have made things better. But because of my lackadaisicalness with the species itself, I made the mistake. Now, Scott, you know, is basically apologizing. You don't have to apologize, Scott. I love you. I know you're breaking my balls. I know it's all in good fun. The other individuals that said some shit, they can felch acid for all quote-unquote veterans yeah quote-unquote veterans the point was not for you it was not, the point was a to allow scott to break my balls more 
God bless them, and B, to tell the individuals who are new or getting into this or learning about this stuff to be mindful of these things. It wasn't for a bunch of veterans, quote unquote, to basically call me a moron. So I didn't retaliate. I didn't write anything. I just left it to go. I, I leave it on there. You know, I'm not going to pull the posts. What's the point in that? I'll well, leave it on You told me about it last night before I was going to bed. Right. I got pretty fired up about it because I'm just, I'm so, so, so tired of people playing yeah. off rear fang stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know how my cyania are, especially yes. when it comes to food. My cyania are still small compared to the big ones I've seen. Yeah. I'm not letting my hand or fingers be on the receiving end of what I've seen them do to mice, where I've seen my female literally just grab an adult and just unload and hold on for literally like over a minute. And and that whole thing of like chewing on you is bullshit, man. Bullshit. Completely. It's going to open its mouth wide enough that those fangs they do that when they gate. They're right there. Like everyone assumes because it's rear fang that they're like in their freaking esophagus. Mm -mm. And it's like, no, it just means they're a little farther back than than a rattlesnake, which is like they're practically coming out the freaking nose at that point. <clears throat> so it's it was just one of those things where I'm like, dude. And my point with that was like, yeah, it's not real venom, and that's why Doctor Fry, you know, didn't do a really extensive study on the whole genus and the venom and the three finger toxins and. And there's a reason Nathaniel Frank, when we talked to him on THP about rear, because that was one of the things I was really curious about when we had him on was to talk about like Boyga. And he was in agreement that it's not taken seriously enough. And, you know, uh, talking to some other people that used to keep Boyga and they don't, I mean, I'm not going to mention names because I don't know if they want to be mentioned or not, but um, Someone I have a lot of respect for who breeds a ton of really cool stuff. You know, they specialize in a lot of Asian stuff. And so I'm like, you know, do you ever keep Boiga? And they said, you know, I did at one point. But because of a bad bite from a dendro, whether it's a dendro dendro or a melanota, I don't know. But because of a bad bite, he's like, I don't keep them anymore. And he was also, he said, how lax people are with them is really surprising. Yeah. And I mean, that I'm going to take from someone who's been bitten and had a bad bite. Yeah. Someone who's been on the receiving end of that. And my other point was peanuts are, you know, not dangerous to 99% of us, but there's going to be people where if they even freaking touch one, they die. Yeah. Just from the anaphylaxis. And so it's like the whole like tough guy thing of, you know, Oh, it's not that bad. It's like, okay, well, I mean, if you want to roll those dice and find out if your, you know, your body has a bad reaction to it, be my guest, but you know, this whole, like, I'm going to hold my boy up to my face or, you know, I'm going to have this massive cyania with a gigantic head, you know, that's just an absolute monster of an individual yeah. you know, climbing around on me. It's just one of those things. It's like foreign protein is foreign protein. Legit. And it's so frustrating because, and I, like I was telling you, like, I'm going to, I want to get an article together talking to some of these professionals that basically says, yeah, is it going to kill you? Probably not. But that does not mean handle them like a dickhead. Exactly. Exactly. 
<clears throat> Whether it's Cyanodon, which are traditionally known to be fairly mellow. Um, my Cyania are fairly trustworthy, but I'm not giving them the opportunity. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like, what? It's... <laughs> yeah. What did Jake say? He said, trying to teach people an important lesson, and the Tiger King of Reptiles tried to whip out his dick on you, Phil. He said, I'd be pissed too. Thanks, Jake. I appreciate that sincerely. <laughs> and I mean, it, it's, it is like, it's such a, with especially Boiga in particular. Like, when I talk about Rear Fang, I'm talking about Boiga specifically. Yeah. Yes. But We're I mean, even like your Phyllodryas or anything like that, your false water covers, even those. I mean, you talk to Zach Lofman. Yeah. He's going to, he's like, dude, these like Maseranas and false waters and stuff like that. He's like, those things are like when food's around, I'm not getting bit by that. Dude, I mean, we've all had that stuff, man. We've all seen how food aggressive it is. We've all seen what it does to a rat. I mean, and like my late mentor, he got bit by one of my false waters back in the day and his hand swelled up like a catcher's mitt. He said it felt like someone put vinegar in his veins. He got a fever of like 102, yacked his guts up, and felt shitty for three days. But at the same time, he didn't die. But if he was allergic to bees, he probably would have died. Well, that well, that's I mean that brings up another the next topic of if you get bit again, yeah, exactly. Are you going to have a worse reaction like you would with you know being sensitized to you know any lapids or anything like that? You know, I mean, everyone talks about spitting cobras and. However, time they just get sort of sensitized to it because of the those microparticles and stuff in the air of a room when you're working with them, and yep. you know, like you get, you don't even have to get bit, and you could get to a point where if you get bit, you are screwed. Like you are, unless you got an EpiPen handy or something that can at least buy you a little bit of time. Like you're done. Yeah, dude, that's me, man. I've I've dealt with enough spitting cobra, dry venom, and and poop. Mm-hmm. that I'm convinced that I am marginally allergic to it. You know, that one time that the, the Siemensis spat on my leg and my leg got hot and itchy. Like, that's happened countless times to me. On, on my arms, on up, on my neck, like up in here. Like, and we just, I just wash it off. No big deal. But that time, it finally clicked. So now, like, with my spitters, I'm super-duper chill and relaxed. And, like, I just posted a video on, on Instagram of, like, a couple of those cobras hooding up, watching the cell phone. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm doing this over <laughs> here. You know what I mean? Because, God forbid, they blast it. I'd rather have it in the, the hand or whatever than on me. So... And you know, and Scott makes a great point. Like I, I know Scott. I know that you were busting chops. I love you, brother. I don't take anything like that personally. But Scott said it. We all fuck up sometimes. You know, just it depends on what level of fuck up you do. And we and when we do have a fuck up, as minor as mine was, minor, as minor as mine was, I still wanted to post it to tell people, hey, pay attention because things happen. You know. Well, that's- you get- complacent and shit why like with my cyanid because like i said the female especially because i know how food responsive she is like when i open that cage i make sure i know where they are before i just reach in there and start grabbing stuff yeah you know i mean i know 90 percent of the time they're going to be in the elevated hide and mounted um 
But I've seen that female, like, she has her nose right there at the opening. And if I open that tub, I've seen her just come just straight out, ready Shoot. to go. And yep. uh, Arboreal Velcro. I've seen bites from smaller cyania that were pretty substantial. And cyania are one of those species of boiga that, that really do get written off a lot more than the other ones. Is I think even in O'Shea's recent book, he has them labeled as, like, practically non-venomous. Really? Yeah, which I thought was surprising because it was like, it's Marc O'Shea. Like, you should yeah. probably spend more time in, in Indo in that region of the world than a lot of people. Like, why yeah. would you? So much that he is now allergic to almost everything, and that's why he stays in the laboratory. He didn't do field work anymore because he's so allergic to everything. But going back to, like, what I was talking about with the boy, it's, just, it's a fine line. Like, yes, I understand most can be handled, no problem. Most like you're not likely to to die or have any serious injury as a result, but it's just like why why take the risk? I mean, I sent you that picture of me tubing that female cyania because she had shed while we were gone. Yeah, and so I tube her to make sure you know tail tips because tail tips with those when when shed is is you're almost guaranteed to have some stuck there. I know um, it all too well as of recently. Yes, and so I tube her whenever I need to check her over or peel anything off. And it just, it's easier on the snake, it's easier on me. And, um, yeah, what Cox said, he said, you know, well, you guys keep mentioning food, but even when it's not food mode, I mean, we've all seen the Wilma bite where they nuzzle you and chomp, you know, like free handling boiga is a, is a risk period. And it is. Uh, but I mean, like, even I, I hate to be the guy that like harps on hog noses and stuff because I mean, we all know that the, the risk bears is very low, but regardless, it's still, I've seen the, even Jake. I mean, Jake got bit by a Western hog, and he said the actual bite itself was freaking painful. Like the actual, not just the, the the envenomation itself, but the you know the actual puncturing and the yeah. He and said he it sucked. It hurt. Said it perfect. Cox says foreign proteins are foreign in capital letters. That's it. That's it. And then come to think of it, after I had my little signed it on infinite. You know, I, I took her out and put her in the trash can and uh, and spot cleaned or whatever else, topped off her water bowl, and then I go to take her out. I'm like, you know what? Let me stretch her out and really see. That animal is as – I mean, I'm short. I'm five, six. That animal is as long as I am, if not possibly longer, because you know how they like they, they kind of yeah. gee up, you know, when you're taking them out? But I'm thinking, I'm like, man, this animal is as tall as I am, and it can literally flip around – 360 degrees and on 80% of its body and grab me, you know? But I'm, I mean, I'm like you, like, yeah, I'm not going to handle it. Like I handled an Aatrox. Like I'm mm -hmm. not going to be right. Uber, you know, super, like I, I use a hook regardless with them. Just period. I keep the head away from me. Like I have them, you know, rear half of the body going into a tub while I clean, whatever. Sure. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to treat it like an Aatrox. But I'm also not just going to go in there and grab it like it's a corn snake and just hope for the best. You know, it's just, it's exhausting because it's just, it's got to the point where it's like these things still have the ability to cause bodily harm. So Scott just sent me some photos of a medically significant lapid. 
and I'm assuming that when he means medically significant, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not a King Brown. It's right. something. One of those Australia has lots yeah. of small eyeball lapids that are, are typically not even encountered by humans. Um, but uh, Scott, is this you, by the way, or is this? I have permission to post these pictures because I think it's got the dude's face in it. Let me see. Hold on. Yeah, it looks like crap. <laughs> I'll wait till he replies. But yeah, this these pictures he just sent me is basically the anaphylaxis, and you can see the hives and the redness mm -hmm. and the swelling of everything, and you know his face looks not good. I mean, if you look at some of these large boiga, like that's that snake has a, a decent yield, and it's like, yeah, it's gonna be. Beer fanged or mildly venomous. Uh, that's still a lot of foreign protein being pumped into your your body. You know? Right. I mean, here's a. See if this comes up. I was gonna say, Scott, that I, that honestly looked like you, and I was like, it's got to be an old picture. <laughs> <clears throat> And what was the elaborate Scott, by the way, that, that, that bit you? See the pictures, Justin? Uh, yeah, sorry. It's cool. So we have some arm rash. You can see some hives. Mm. Obviously, discoloration. This is all from, from allergic reaction. There's his chest. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, that is not fun looking, man, at all. I can't imagine what that must have felt like. And the piece de resistance, children, the face. You don't look happy there, bro. You don't look happy. Looks like you need some Benadryl, buddy. Here, take a Claritin or something. Look at that. Oof. I'm on, there's an old post from 2011 about a mangrove bite that's pretty gnarly, but I can't seem to find the actual pictures. He says that that was a hemiaspis, which is in 2005. Wow. 2005, Jesus, so long ago. Ugh. So now we have to show people what the hemiaspis looks like. I mean, this is this is one of the bites that people bring up a lot when it comes to Boiga. Um, like this one's this is this was a, a mangrove bite. I mean, that's like the initial, but I mean, that's like, that's, look at that. I mean, that's, that's pretty substantial. Yeah. There's actually a bite floating around, a bite picture floating around of some guy's hand. Actually, scroll, up. scroll up a little bit. Yeah. That's the picture I was looking for. Yeah. So that, that, that picture of, of the hand with the blackness and the red with the red line that picture, people always say that it's a Crotalus atrox, and it's not. 
it's Boyga Dendrophila. And this nobody is the initial post. Yeah. But I mean that's like that's a medically significant bite. That is a bite where if I saw that, I'd be like, okay, it's time to go to the hospital. I would have gone and to the hospital. Least, that shit. Yeah. Like that's freaking hematoma. Oh yeah. You know, it's just and dude, like I'm not allergic to bees, I'm not allergic to scorpions. You know, I kept I kept a lot of arachnids for a long time. I've been stung by a few things. I've been stung by some pretty hot scorpions too. Sadly to say, accidents mm -hmm. happen. But um, not, nothing that I needed antivenin for or anything. But um, but I'm I'm pretty good in the fact that I'm not allergic to those things. Um, but like, that doesn't mean I'm gonna go play in a beehive. Right. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean I'm not. That doesn't mean I'm just gonna start holding death stalkers. Like it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Trying to see what else I can find. But yeah, I think the uh, the whole Facebook thing is very, very out of hand. Um, it is not just a my story, my opinion is better than yours. I have to tell it. It's also a one upping scenario. It's Oh, well, I almost, you know, oh, you stuck your hand in with a Boigo on accident. Well, I stuck my hand in with an Aatrox on accident. Well, that's not, you're, you're missing the point. That, yeah. that, that's not the point of the, of, of the post. The post was to share and say, hey, accidents happen. We need to be more conscientious of this stuff. So I think that's what got me all fired up was obviously the veterans telling me that Boigo are not medically significant and people just not getting it. They just don't care. They just don't get it. I don't know. Yeah, and here, I mean, here's, this is a pretty infamous western hognose bite. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, that's like, we've, a lot of us have seen this. Like, that's, that's, that's a western hognose. Like, that's. Oof. You know, uh, and I don't know. I feel like we're beating a dead horse, but we are. We are. We it are. Is, it's incredibly frustrating, though, when you have people that have that have been in the industry for a very long time that basically just sort of discount that kind of stuff when it's like they, of all people, should know better. Yeah. And then I'm torn, too, because we have certain individuals that we're very good friends with that have posted videos of them being bitten by baby snakes that are rear fanged. Whether it be Boiga or uh, Hydrodynastus or whatever, and you'll notice that yeah, they're they're getting bit, but the envenomation factor isn't there. It's not a legitimate envenomation. They're not actually getting any venom, and if they are, it's such a minute trace amount that it's really not going to do anything. You'll never see them do that stuff with an adult or a juvenile or a yearling. You just won't because they know better. And it's like I'm torn because like I see this baby snake handling and I'm like yeah I get it I understand it but a lot of people might not so I'm kind of not comfortable but at the same time God bless you at the same time it's not that big a deal well I mean even with neonates like I'm going to come to find one of these cyania hatch you know 
when you're assist feeding tails, which I'm hoping I won't have to do now that I have, since I have the Vitatus froglets to sort of, I'm going to try and scent first. Right. Um, but like when you have to handle them to get a tail in, I'm like, I have a li- my, my little tricks for doing it. Um, that, you know, there you, the, when I, when I had to do it with my pair, you know, I, it wasn't hard. Like I did it without any issues. Um, like is is a neonate cyania going to do anything? Probably not. But at the same time, if I were to get a legitimate bite from from one of those, it would be interesting to see exactly what what would happen, what the effects are from yeah. something that small. But and and not to be insulting, but you're a big guy. You're six two, right? Six three. Six four. Six four. Jesus. All right. So you're a big guy. The way that your body is going to handle that venom. Is totally different than say your daughter, or even say me. Right. I, granted, I'm a fat bastard. I probably weigh as much as you, and I'm I'm only five six. But the mass of the body is going to handle things differently, and people don't even consider that either. You know, yeah. I, these girls, these girls in Europe, they're ninety eight pounds, one hundred and ten pounds, and they got melanota wrapped around their neck. I'm like. This is no bueno. It's going to bite you in the face and you're going to have permanent Botox. <laughs> Legit. I don't know. And it, well, it's just as someone who genuinely loves the genus and really enjoys keeping them, like they're really fun snakes. I really like them. Uh, yeah. It's frustrating to see people that kind of just, you know, the Instagrammers and stuff that just have one big melanota that, no, I'm gonna handle it and be a dickhead and yeah, you know, just then people are gonna see him at shows and be like, oh, I saw one of these on Instagram. I'm gonna play with it. You know, this person held it up on there and let it crawl on their face. Yeah, which uh, the whole Instagram thing, like, yeah, there is some influence there, but I would hope that people are smart enough, at least a majority, to see. That and like free handling and be like, yeah, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, but yeah. there is gonna be a percentage that are gonna be like, that's awesome. I want to do that. Yeah. And by the way, thank you, Jake. By the way. Um, how about this one of this guy with the Gaboon Viper around his neck in front of like a Radio Shack or something? Dude, you saw that? Yes. I can't. I can't. I don't get it. I just don't get it. Like. First of all, how is he alive? Like, how, if I ever did that, if I ever tried to pick up any of my bitters, I'd be dead. Done. Dude, I got to spray my rhino viper, like just, you know? And the thing lashes out across the table, mouth open. Yeah, like, come on. What are you doing to me? Yeah, and then it gets a mouthful of dirt, and I feel bad, and it's going like this. While you find that horrible, horrible photo, I'm going to refill my beverage. Of course, this this photo is on the Desolate Wasteland we call Facebook. Which, it's on a page that, if you're not following, is actually fairly entertaining. It's uh, per creep of the week.
Just like uh, it, uh, uh, there are no words. Apparently, this is this is the the guy in question. So, oh god, what did I just walk into? <sighs> Dumbass oh, with a death dude. wish. What's up, Jeff? I mean, it's just so, so, so dumb. Like, why? Yeah. I would think that that's a Venomoid, but at the same time, I'm like, it probably isn't. Now, also, he's wearing a hoodie. Now, I mean, I live in South Florida, and a lot of dudes wear hoodies in South Florida. I don't know how they do it. But he could be in a cold state where the animal is lethargic. I mean, who knows? Yeah. I, well, there's a Texans decal on the back window there. Mm, interesting. Oh, I don't know. Who knows? It's and just, yeah, that's not fake. But the whole, like, me and my big boy popped out today. I love the way he interacts with the public. Yeah. Yeah. God, dude. By the way, seeing as how Jeff is here, uh, tonight's show is brought to you by Puget Sound Pythons. Hey. They just had some awesome Doomerals boas pop out yeah. of a bigger Doomerals boa. Why is Jeff not on right now with us? I don't know. Jeff, click the link and join us, my friend. I wonder if this guy deleted his Facebook because I don't see him on, on here. Either that or he's another jackass that I had blocked. A long time ago. He could very well be dead. I usually, like, when I see stupidity like that, I just flat out block people. I'm just not. <clears throat> not down with it. No Look, point. even Jake Hansen says no. And you know those Australian yeah. dudes, man. They have... They'll freaking tickle the nuts on a brown snake, and it's cool. <laughs> Henry said that Frolic, there you go. Well, he would never do it again, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay. If that ain't the pot, the calling. tub calling the toilet bowl white. Exactly. Because somehow, I guess, if you look like Goku and Justin Bieber fucked, you have some sort of higher. Enlightenment when it comes to free handling things. That if any of the peasants do it, you're copying me. This is exactly why I say don't do what I do. Yeah, he looks like freaking Catwoman. No, I was just checking my nails. Just checking my nails. It's another guy I can't get behind, man. It's, but look, 
Jeff and Kendra are going to hop on next week. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be fun as hell. And I don't even like talking about them because then we're giving them freaking more. Yeah, I'm changing the topic. I yes. love about it just, Jeff and Kendra. It frustrates me so They're much. They're a dynamic duo. People destroying the dynamic last okay. duo. And they're adorable. I don't know if he's still here or not. Randy was here earlier. Mm. Randall. I'm still waiting for Kendra to grow that sweet, sweet mustache. Then the dreads. Both, they'll both match. Oh, pop treasure up for you. Uh oh. What did I do? This 300 hands, by the way. Yeah. Surprisingly boring. Really? Not. I mean, it's meh. It's a, it's a cigar. It's a cigar. The Ashton was good, but it's burning a little wonky, so I left it alone for a minute. I'm going to try and correct it. So. Oh, Ryan Cox sent me a picture. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You know what? Let me open it on this. Make sure it's not yeah. pornographic nature. God knows what Cox will send you. It's a retic with breast implants. Hold on. Does my throat sound like exceptionally scratchy tonight? Sounds like you. <laughs> oh god damn it! Who is that, Cox? I'm not putting that up. It's. An I want to see it. It's an. Oh, fine. Uh, I don't want to show this. I don't want the world to see it because it's making me uncomfortable. Cox, at least just send it to me. I literally have just oh. pooped a kitten. Oh. Throw it up. Throw it on there. Why? Why? We have a, uh, a young male individual holding a what appears to be a yearling puff adder. And he is free handling it. And he is holding it as if it is a pissed off blood python. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not liking that. That is one way to die. That is one way to die. And I love puffs, man. Puffs are one of my favorite species. And I can confidently say I like puffs more than I like gaboons. Um there's just something about them, and you know their their range is so vast. It's almost in almost the entirety of sub-Saharan Africa. Dude, they're like the squirrels of Africa. They're like the squirrels of Africa, and it, it's amazing how puff adders are so dynamic in size and coloration and patterning to match their environment. But they're also one of the animals that I would say is a definitive part of a bigger food chain. Because it's not just a snake that's eating small stuff and you know keeping things in balance, but puff adders get eaten by damn near everything, and that's why you know they all the old joke. That's why mom has eighty babies is because puff adders are food for everything. The same way that puffers puff adders eat everything. So like I I, I love puff adders, man, but I would never ever free. I mean, I'm going back and looking. Back. I so there's one at the Riverbank Zoo that is probably the prettiest puff I've ever seen. I'm going back and seeing if I can find the pictures of it. Oh, God. Scott messaged me, too. What do I got? What do I got? What do I got? Oh, 
Scott says, the phrase you're you're looking for is try hard, MS expert. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, the um Jake says, uh, did we see the guy with the inland in his mouth? Didn't and I have that photo. I saved it because it is such an atrocity. Do we really want to show it or no? Does their name rhyme with Shaman Dozer? No, it's way worse. Shaman Dozer would not be this dumb. That's uh, Jerry might be out on that one. No, no, this is probably the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And from what I gather, and Jake, correct me if I'm wrong, this certain individual has been bitten by inland taipans in the past before this photo was taken. Looky. So that is like this was Oh yeah, yeah. That's 10, that one lake that one lake uh what is it called? It's from ten years ago. So I did I was fairly heavy handed with edits back in the day. You know, that's what it looks like. It's a lake. I'm pretty sure it's Ugandan, if someone wants to correct me. It's a particular lake locality that, that they're very lightly colored like that. Um they have like the, the Pennywise thing with the eyes where like they seem almost lazy, but they're still looking at you. Oh, yeah. There you go. It's like the face you see when you're about to get. So, yeah, so that guy apparently had been bit before. Well, he looks like a winner. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like. Australia's Andy Milanakis. Legit. Why is his collar buttoned all the way to the top button, first of all? I can't. I'm turning this off. I just can't. Oh, God. I actually had um, one of the puffs that one of my dream puff adders uh, is actually Namibian. And now I gotta find it. Hold on. So there's a particular part where Namibia meets South Africa, and um, hey, gentlemen, guten Abend, meine Schatzi. Speaking of guys that aren't dickheads, there's Andy Middleton. I had to uh, slide through for the end of the show special. Love it. My internet is okay. I'm not even going to say it. I was going to say CenturyLink is not screwing me tonight, but... Why would you say that? Why would you change yourself? I... Yeah. How's them emeralds doing? Uh, they're doing wonderful. They're doing great. I got a new one last week, I'm sure you saw, probably. I did. Yeah, man. Once again, I'm very jealous. Dude, I uh, uh, opened that thing out of the box, and I stood there for probably 20 minutes. and Just, just There's a really it. nice female Aru on Fauna right now. Yeah, I am uh, absolutely tapped out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but, this is uh, this, I get so frustrated, man. 
Did you like, see that uh, sarong on North Market? I believe it was. No, but I'll go look in a second. Like, I need to be producing stuff so I can sell stuff so I can buy this stuff when I see it. Are you talking about this 2014? It's like the first first ad on Fauna's arboreal section right now. Yeah, thing is smoking. Yeah, that's nice. Micro. This is why I don't do green trees. Oh, is it that one that Albright is selling? For 2000 freaking dollars? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that the other day. I was like, bro. Sweet yelling, yeah. But is that a $2,000 snake? You know, it's an eight-year-old female. I mean, it depends who you ask. Because if you ask me, I say no. You know, I wouldn't buy it, you know. But, you know, it's a nice snake for the right person, I guess. And it's a, I mean, it's a very good-looking snake, but it's just like I don't understand what, what the deal is lately with people selling undocumented animals for, like, ridiculous prices. Yeah, there's just a lot of people paying it, I think, so. Um yeah, there's a lot of people buying up snakes right now. Like I've seen some recently. It was like undocumented to undocumented. Babies are eleven hundred dollars a piece. Yeah, I'm like, really? Okay. It's just. I hope it's not a whole like, oh, some sucker who's new to green trees will be like, this is awesome. I'm gonna get it. You know, breed this year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, it's definitely tempting <laughs> on the for some of these that pop up, but I cannot. Uh, it's just when you're you're paying like designer prices for unknown, like undocumented animals. I just can't. I, I'm not on board with it, man. Yeah, you can get a captive bred chondra for half that. That actually, like, from guys like me that don't charge an arm and a leg, but can tell you mm. what's going on. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to, I was, I don't know if I mentioned it. I think I did mention it last episode, but I'm planning to pair those Jance and I up next year. Like, early next year, probably. And we let them get a little more size on them, let them get a little more settled in. Dude, how will be happy? Huh? How great will that be? Have to bread chance. It's gonna be tough. Like I'm actually looking forward to it because, like, getting the eggs isn't the hard part. But for whatever reason, incubating them and like the humidity levels and stuff like that, they see like the eggs are, are fairly delicate. You know, they haven't been bred that much. Not that it can't be done because it has been done by multiple people. But I don't know. It's just I like I like the challenging stuff and I like the simple stuff. I like the I like to, the the risk of trying to you know the challenge of Chance and I, but I like the simplicity of horn snakes and bears, where it's just, you know. Yeah. So per Henry's recommendation, oh there we oh, go. Oh, is that happening right now? Looks like we might have some action right now. Yeah. Andy Middleton with the technology. Dude, all the stuff that he's got right now, Andy's going to be knocking it out of the park as soon as a lot of that stuff grows out. Absolutely. I hope so. Tonight might be the night, guys. 
What are we looking at? There. Them sexy green snakes on sticks, boy. Boy. So Henry says I should pour up my uh, Purple Maculatus this week. And I think I might just do that. I think I might throw a couple together and see what happens. I think they're still too young, but if it was in the wild, they're definitely big enough to breathe. So if the all of the if all of these cyanide eggs hatch, uh, I think they might be the easiest snakes to breed. For you. Because I literally like on a whim was like, yeah, I'll pair them see what happens. Locked up instantly. Eggs like a month later, give or take. Right in the incubator. Now you just wait. How long is the wait? About Ooh. 100 days. Yeah. yeah. I always found that interesting. Like, I always found that weird that small snakes like that, the incubation takes longer than, like, carpets, which are bigger. You, I would assume because they're bigger eggs and they're bigger babies, they would take longer to incubate and develop than tiny species. Because baby boy are tiny. Like, why does this take so long? What is, like, what is it? It's a well, I'm a you are keeping them cooler. Like, you right now, they're they incubate during the day at like 82, and then I have the thermostat set to 78, which I don't even think it drops down that much in the incubator at night because it's sealed up pretty good. So, I'm sure the temperature set has something to do with it, but like the Jansen Eye, it's like 100, 120 days. But those are ones like you literally like put them on a top shelf in your room, like upper 70s, like low 80s, ignore them. So I don't know. I just I always found that odd that there's some species that take forever to hatch, and they're tiny in comparison to some of the larger species that that hatch in 65 days. You know, whatever. Yeah, you're almost incubating like monitor eggs at that point. Mm -hmm. it's crazy. I want answers, Phil. Give me answers. To what? Why? I don't know. I'm trying to figure out why certain geckos produce three or four clutches a year and others only produce one. I'm trying to figure out. What's the gestation on perps? Uh, long. I think like 90 to 100 because it's live bears. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, don't quote me on that. I've never done it like on purpose. I had females and males in the past that like I just thought she was fat, and apparently they had locked up and shed out a bunch of babies. Um, <laughs> my female, my big female that produced like a ten or twelve baby litter, she was probably three or four times the size of my biggest girl right now. So I can only imagine she was wild caught. So I don't know how old that animal was, but I would say that she was probably the size of a yearling ball python maybe a little bigger mm -hmm. man no probably probably or maybe like a two-year-old ball python and my females now are probably i'm guessing gram weight shit maybe like 100 grams 150 grams mm. so i don't know we'll see well even like emeralds like emeralds the gestation time on emeralds is ridiculous too yeah, like 150 to 180 days for a baby. Yeah. 
Nuts. for Northerns. Wait, Henry, did you say the perps are almost human gestation? They're nine friggin' months? No way. <laughs> now, now, I'm okay, well, now I'm checking. I know, talking to Cody, though, about his uh, those bilineata, he said those, like, the gestation's almost like six months. Which, that's another one that I, I, don't, I don't understand why, because the bilineata, that's a small species. Like, that's a small pit viper. Like why on earth do they take that long? I just like the whole thing. Just I don't I don't understand. Okay, you've got it pretty lucky with pythons, eh? Yeah, maybe that's it. You know, when you breed species that are like, yeah, J fifty four, get ready. Yeah. You know? Why can't I find any gestation? Henry says like eight months, give or take. What? No way. That seems that seems excessive, Henry. Do they eat the whole time? Always. Do they eat no matter what? But but mine are total jerks and they will not eat from tongs. I have to leave live prey in there and it's gone in the morning. Which is no big deal. Um they're eating it, you know. It's not like they're just Scott said the litters go through diapause during winter. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, all babies go through a lot of diapers, Scott. Oh, yeah, I spelled purple maculatus properly. Instead of hopocephalus are uh, 200 plus days. That's crazy. I never knew Snuffleupagus had babies. It's funny, is uh, when you type in, I typed in. Literally, I literally just typed in Tremersor's purple maculatus gestation, and it pops up. It says approximately 35 days, and I was like, that is completely wrong. And then I looked at it, it's really some kind of Siamese pit viper, which doesn't make any sense at all. Um, all right, what does this say here? Da -da -da Uh, are you are you pairing anything else beside uh those condors, Andy? Um, you got anything else in the in the docket? Uh, I don't think so. No, I think we'll hold off till next year. Um, you want some bear rats? Uh, I think I can scope of things, dude. I'm planning out uh, all the caging and whatnot because I need to redo my whole room because um, my collection's gone through a bit of a change in the last two years, uh, to say the least. And uh, so I need to uh, set up like a whole wall of arboreal enclosures, and, uh, get all the racks like organized and prepared for babies and all that stuff so i got a lot to do and andy needs colubrids get on the rat snake train with us buddy yeah dude andy There's needs plenty of room you really need I, I have space in uh, the cold room with where the diamond pythons are i think i uh, might be able to sneak my malukins in there too but I um, and you have the perfect room for old world Asian colubrids. It's possible. Yes, mandarins, bamboos, 
Ganyasoma, like Montaigne Ganyasoma. Yeah. Dude, you freaking knock it out. Yeah, of I don't know how much more I can do, dude. I think I have like, how many species do I have? Well, not the, I don't know. I just feel like I'm pretty good with what I got, man. I mean, uh, Scott, if that's the case, are cephalopods pronounced cephalopods? It should be. Cephalopods. Because really? it's hoplocephalus. Instead of hoplocephalus, like I said. Yeah, Caesar taste. Sounds like a venereal disease when you say it like that. Well, I'm American and we like to butcher that kind of stuff, so I'm gonna it's gonna it's gonna remain hoplocephalus. Alright, I am not going into my house to get the biblical text, so I will later on post in the Snakes and Stogies group how long the gestation period is for Tremersor's purple maculatus. Now, if Henry would like to consult his biblical text and chime in, feel free. But I'm not going inside because I have a cigar and I don't care. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Damn, look at that line, boy. That thing uh, smashed its food within two seconds. But I took that picture because I never noticed the laterals on it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got like a 20 scale, like little weird circle there. Super good looking. Now, do you still, like, as far as the emeralds versus chondros thing, has your opinion as far as which one's easier or more difficult changed over now that you've kind of had them easier. longer? Because I know we talked about it on the podcast multiple times. Um, I'd say that the emeralds are a lot lower maintenance. Mm. Uh, it's so surprising because they're also so similar. Yeah, you know, it's just with emeralds, everything's just so slow. So, you know, they, mm -hmm. you know, fed once and then I wait for them to poop and then I feed them. Um, so, you know, it's not like I'm feeding them weekly or, you know, right. typically every two, three, four weeks. Um, you know, and then they poop once and then, you know, they get fed again. So. You know, I'm not doing too much other than changing water, but, you know, with chondros, well, I guess I'm just dealing with a lot of neos, so they're pooping all the time, and mm -hmm. cleaning a lot of tubs, and uh, I don't it know. Is, it is amazing how much neonate chondros go. Uh, yeah, and then they're eating every six days, like, yeah. Yeah, like when I that first clutch, I was amazed. I was like, "Good God, are you guys like corn snakes?" It was like constant. <laughs> it's, and then you know they get to an age where they almost never go. Mm. I don't know, but a lot of my my younger condos, like my my sub adults, my my juveniles, I've actually I'm cutting them back on food because I've got a few that are just getting really chunky. So. Yeah, with all my I keep all my snakes for the most part as well, but yeah. Realize I gotta start feeding stuff a little bit more, and just to get them in shape for you know breeding next year. So, yeah, next two to three years, say all the stuff I'm raising should be good to go. So it should be good. Still need more female chondros though. I only have uh, I only have sex ones right now. 
Yeah, that whole yeah. rack of six I have, they're all still unsexed, even though I have a very strong feeling um, a majority of them are actually female. Which yeah, works out because most of my older animals are males, so. Yeah, I guess in like uh, six months or so, I can actually probe a lot of the neos I've gotten, so. Yeah, I guess I'll have a better idea where I'm at on that front. I could probably, I mean, I could probe all of them in that rack currently, but I just, I'm trying to get more comfortable and better at probing, and I'm not willing to try, like, to learn on those. I'd rather yeah. learn on the horns or something, you know, mm. and get better at it, which even then, I don't, like, I sexed all the corns again for the first time to fully confirm exactly what ratio I had in my group, because I have four of them. And I originally thought I had 1.3, but then I looked, I had 3.1, but then one of the males shed, and it had, it had the, the spots like you see with females when they shed, and so I'm like, what the hell? So I may just end up saving sheds and send them off to moral or something, have them do the testing thing. Dude, it's awesome. I got hit up um, like two weeks ago uh, that I can uh, – the I got a snake, and the guy's getting the rest of the clutch, all his holdbacks, uh, DNA sexed with mm -hmm. Chef. Uh, um, you know, what's the his company name called again? Uh, Rare Genetics. Yeah, Rare Genetics. And, um, yes, yeah, so you just hit me up and just let me know that I can – uh, mail my shed to him and uh, yeah, get my contract sex like a year early for 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they can do condros, but they have to have, I want to say, like a shed from the sire and then one of the grandparents, I think, to be able to confirm. Yeah, one of the parents or a proven male that the sire has produced. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah why is that? They have like an extra chromosome or something, actually. It's not just X and Y. There's uh, like an additional one, if I'm not mistaken. Or I don't know. He had talked about it on THP when we had him on forever ago. Yeah. And he kind of explained that, you know, a lot of there's some snakes where it's not just X and Y. Like there's there's like a, a Z or something, I think, as well. I could be completely wrong and probably am. And I'm sure Scott can probably chime in on that, too. But um so like with colubrids, they don't have that problem. Like they can they can tell through testing of just a single shed without any any sheds from relatives. But for some reason, chondros because of the way they're genetically like maybe it's not they have third that instead of being X and Y, it's like Y and Z maybe because he said there was something similar with I think crotalids like rattlesnakes like they have it's just not the traditional X and Y. There's something else going on. <laughs> so that that just throws like a little sort of monkey wrench into the, the testing because I guess the test is only made to be able to tell directly from what they work with with colubrids. But I don't, yeah. I don't. Interesting. It reminds me, Henry, did we ever get the uh, gender back from Mango? Because I'm pretty sure Henry sent out Mango skin to get DNA tested. Phil, you have any interest in getting kings? No. Nope, not my thing. Too big, I'm too short, can't do it. 
And to be honest, the whole snake eating thing is, is uh, it's not for me, man. It's not, you know, and Henry's dedication to Ophiophagus animals is a legit dedication. And I, I can't do it. Like, you know, he wants to get into more Caliophus and he wants to get into more Microris. And, and I commend him because they're awesome animals that no one's really doing good stuff with. So I know Henry's going to do a hell of a job with it, but Henry also has, he has that passion and that drive to get the feeder snakes and to do feeder snakes. And mm-hmm. that's just not my thing. I just can't get into it. Yeah. I thought Henry's episode was awesome. Yeah. I got to get Glad to hear it, man. Glad to hear it. Yeah. And that is one of the, going back to, uh, Boiga is, um, Tail sexing them is pretty easy because they're so thin. Like when those males have hemipenes, you can like you can feel them. Like it's obvious. It's like so much swelling after that vent that isn't there with females. And I think actually with neonates, you can sex them if you have a really bright flashlight. You can actually shine that through and see hemipenes. Really? Yeah. And uh, Scott, you, I've never been able to honestly visually sex or probe Ophiophagus. Um, I've seen males that was like, man, that's a really, he's really well endowed. That's got to be a male. And it turned out that it was. Um, every time that I've ever tried to probe a juvenile, and by juvenile, I mean like five foot or longer. Um, the, the tail is so long and the hemipenal sheath is so long that no matter what, even if it's a female, you almost lose the probe. So I just, it's not worth it, you know? My probe disappeared. I mean, you don't want to get to that point, but yeah. And yes, as a Mazops, I would totally love to have as a Mazops, but no one has them. No one, no one gets them in the U.S. And I, I, I don't understand why. And now with this whole... Uh, what I like to call the millennial montane generation, uh, where people are starting to really take a liking to these colder weather animals. You know, these vipers are definitively cold weather. And, I mean, there was that so cool. There's that one that stowed away on that Hong Kong flight, and like, dude, it lived in that plane at thirty thousand feet. You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy. So, I'm, I definitely would like to have them one day. Um, I had a friend who had one. And he fed it mice and it did really well. And then the room that it was in uh, cracked and the whole room overheated and all the animals died. But had that not happened, he would have been tip top. And Scott's just here to ruin my dreams. Okay. Because those are also so small and frail, you can't pop. Like, I'm not going to pop a baby boy go. I don't like I don't snap like the spine. I don't, I don't like popping. I, I, I can't do it. I feel like I'm going to break something, you know? And then, like, people that do the speed bump test with boas, you know, where you run your finger across it and you feel the hemipenal bump. Dude, it freaks me out. I feel like that, I feel like I'm going to rip the skin off. I, I can't do it. I don't know. I'm going to try the translumination anyways. Do it. Take the I got to see for myself. But, yeah, dude, Vessio has a lot of cool stuff, man. He he does the he's he's like 
the Matt Most of Venomous guys. Like he's got the stuff nobody is doing anything with, or has. What are you searching for, Philium? <laughs> Northern Fees Vipers. <laughs> see, that's those things are so interesting because they have the nine plate head arrangement that you see on a lapis. But they're. Say, Scott says he seems like a nice guy too, but does not suffer fools. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he has a ton of morons that are like, hey, man, let me get one of those spider-tailed vipers. Look at that, man. It's awesome. Whoops. Look at this one. Gorgeous. Keep that sucker at 65 in the dark. Love life. Can you imagine being the guy that stumbled across those for the first time? He's like, what the hell is this thing? <laughs> Dude, it looks like it can kill you. Like, you know how some snakes are just, you know, not ominous, 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 ominous? This thing looks like it will end you. Yeah, but at the same time, I've heard they're, like, toxicity-wise, they're not really that high up on the list of, like, kill you quickly. Dude, look at the friggin' head. Look at that thing. Those little... Is it an elapid or is it a viper? It reminds me of like an anaconda. Right? Just that one particular individual though. Oh, there's one. <laughs> oh, look at that Matilda right there. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Give me all the atheris. Uh, <sighs> yeah. Phil, if I get beaded lizards, how should I keep them? Any tips? Uh, what kind of beaded? Exasper Adam. Right. I would do. Choreo Fuerte. If it was me, honestly, and I had exaspums, I would do a. They're adults, right? They're reeds. I don't know. If they I were need to talk adults, to about it more. If they were adults, I would have them individually housed in four foot, ideally six foot, but four foot visions, but not the thin ones, the tall ones. I think it's four by four by two by almost too high, I think it is. They have the metal bar in the middle for the for the glass. I would do them in those. And I would do a mixture of ABG and some mulch. And I would have a thin water dish that is big enough for it to sit in, but not big enough that it could actually submerge itself. And then I would do a bunch of cork rounds that it could like climb through and go through. I would put a bunch of pothos in there and call it a day. Can I hold it up to my face and take pictures for the internet? If it's legal, sure. What if it's not? Actually, I think I have pictures of it. I'm not bashful. 
I'll show my heliderm free handling. Jesus, after that whole hour long conversation we had, I know about these right. assholes. That's why you 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 turn out to be. I mean, the Gurkha hat should have given it away from the start. Oh, Jesus burn, Christ. burn! I knew you had shitty tasted cigars, Phil. <laughs> Actually, this picture is not as bad as I thought it was. I smoked that Nova the other day. Boy, that shit was good. I knew it would be. The Nova's is good. That, 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 they're solid. It's a very solid solid brand. So this picture is actually very deceiving. Um, oh, my God. This is 2009. Oh, God. Well, that's when I graduated. That's when you graduated from high school? Yeah. Oh God, I'm old. Uh, you were like 06, 07, right? No. 05? Nope. 04? Yep. I mean, I was a freshman. No, I wasn't. I was in like the eighth grade. You are old. Look at that so little guy. He's like, what are you doing to me? That animal was legit a puppy dog. And, uh, <laughs> we had so much fun with him, man. He would literally, we would just like let him walk around. He had no signs of aggression. It was all, it was pretty much like a tegu. You, you basically treated him like a tegu. And every once in a while, he would like test bite like the couch or something. <laughs> and it was like, okay, now time to put him back. Now he's getting curious. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but that picture is deceiving because he's really close to the camera and I'm not. Like it's a forced perspective, you know? Um, so I was definitively not putting my tongue near the animal. It's like that. Did you see that video of uh, that chick getting bit on the tongue by that tegu? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was not. That was not. Uh, I don't know how many times I watched that. I got a really good laugh out of it. I was like, You jackass, <laughs> Scott. She's says, all like, and that thing just oh, god, it was horrible. You know, that hurt. You know that thing, that sucker bled like a freaking stuck pig. Oh, dude, I'm surprised she has a tongue still. You know they probably ripped that tip right off. Oh. <laughs> Scott says, here's a tip. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm still like, so basically, I'm planning to get out of dark frogs for spatial reasons. Okay. Um, I have some in my USOM. They take up literally a half a wall. Yeah. And that's a wall that I could, that's space I could use for a bigger rack for these condos that are going to need upgrades within the next year or so. Oh, yeah. Um, and I need another baby rack because if I'm going to be producing as many rat snakes as I am under the impression I will be, I'm going to need more space for that. And then the Jance and I and the Boyga are going to need more space uh, eventually, too. So had to make the hard decision. And, of course, our buddy Ryan Reed up in Charleston, right up the coast from me. The one and only. Uh, he's a big dark frog guy, and we had been talking back and forth about me trading, you know, maybe some brettles or something for a pair of these beaded's. But I was always kind of on the fence about it because, A, I mean, you they need a decent amount of heat on the hot end and space. And so I may end up trading him pretty much just all the dark frog tanks and stuff just for a pair of beads, just because he's, he's my guy. And I know if I ever did want to get back into darts, I know he would help me out. Um, 
But I've never kept beatings. I've never kept any heliderms. So I'm pretty green to it. I know not to get bit by them. Yeah. I know the Rio Fuertes are the smaller of the two, right? Yeah. Because no one even keeps the Guatemalans. Those are like non-existent. And they're gigantic. The Guatemalans? Yeah, the Guatemalans, I'm pretty sure. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but pretty sure the Guatemalans get the biggest, and they're also the more the most arboreal. Well, yeah. So <laughs> there's I actually don't know. I mean Reed's got beaded and I've been talking to him and picking his brain about him a lot over the last probably year or so. Like we've kind of casually been like, Yeah, man, I want some beaded. He's like, Well, we'll make it happen, and then it never happens. And I messaged him the other day and said, Hey, I'm getting rid of all my darts, you know, if you you're interested in them, sell them to you on the cheap or something. He's like, get some beaded. He's like, okay. That's a fair trade, man. It's a fair trade. I like the, the, the Rio Fuertes, though, because those are pretty. Yeah, yeah. I, if I was going to get them, that's what I would get. I'm not a beaded guy, man. I'm more, I'm more of a Gila guy, hands down. I just love the black and orange. And I really want those, like, Utah Synctus, those really Utah pinks, you know? Um, but salmons. The salmons, yeah, totally. Um, but dude, beaters are awesome. They really are. And there's so much more. I mean, let's be real. Kilos are durable with tanks. But I feel like the beaters are more forgiving in a room like yours because you have all that ambient humidity already. And mm -hmm. you, you're. Well, that actually may get cut out because I'm going to get rid of that, that tadpole tub. Oh, yeah. That has that bubbler. That does throw a lot of that. That keeps yeah, that ambient room humidity up a pretty good bit. So that is true. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I, I say you do it, man. Change your pace. Fuck it. I mean, haven't exactly told the boss about it yet. So. Yeah, but what you trade all those frogs for three lizards? You're good. Well, it's the fact that they're they're venomous and could cause bodily harm that I know is not going to fly. Look, there's only been like four fatalities from a heliderm ever, and it's pretty much unanimous that they were actually Western Dimeback bites, and they lied. I was going to say, I don't think no one's died from a heliderm bite, right? Right. Actually, I remember somebody sent me a newspaper clipping from a town in Arizona in circa like 1890, where a guy got bit by a healer, and he cut its head off, and the head was still attached to his hand. And he went into town with it, like on his hand, and uh, and he died. But they said that he died of infection because they wound up cutting away the skin and tissue of his hand, mm -hmm. and he went sepsis. Sepsis. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know, man. There's just, I know it's one of those I things know. where it's not going to kill you, but it's going to hurt a lot. And you're probably going to wish you were dead. Yeah. Mm hmm. I have a friend that got bit by a yearling monster, and whoo doggies, I felt bad for him, man. That was the worst, like, 48 hours of his life. Yeah, not something I'm, I really want to want to experiment with. Well, um, I mean, dude, I wrote the article on how to tame down your heliodorm. did. You have the manual now. Go get yourself some gardening gloves and a paintbrush, and you'll be set. I'm trying to see if Reed has any pictures of them. Brad, how many uh, healers do you actually have, bro? 
And how many of them are focused? Does he have any Rio Fuertes? Give me all your tips. Uh, I'm pretty sure you've only got tulips, right? Or do you have any, any tips? Any tips? Read them, man, dude. Dude, read them, man. I'm like, so happy. There's, there's, so happy. there's a lot of people I'm really happy that I can call friends. Mm -hmm. And he, he's, he's very high on that list, man. He's just such a cool guy. Such a cool guy. You know, See, did I tell you, like, the first time I met him, he just randomly popped into work? Because he listened to the podcast, and he's like, yeah, man. He's like, I, you know, like, he was in his uniform and everything. He just came into work, into the, the Shell Point shop. Nice. The shop that we had the little shindig yeah. at. And he's mm -hmm. uh, like, yeah, man, I listened to the podcast. And I was in the area. I figured I'd stop in and see you. It's like, this freaking on. We talked for, you know, probably half an hour. It's great. You know who yeah. also is a really, really great guy? Andy, Andy Middleton. Middleton. Oh, yeah. my mind. Red, uh, my thanks mind. Thanks, guys. You guys are too kind. So, Brad, you've got three Synctus, or you just have three Healers? He's got three Sphincters. Sphincters? Refilling my beverage now. Thanks, Andy. I also will say that Ryan Reed's son is probably the most adorable freaking kid I've ever seen. Mostly because he looks just like Reed. If he was like a midget. Uh, Justin, how's the scrub doing? He's good, man. He's, uh, I don't know what Phil was doing that made him tell me that he was so calm and awesome because he's not. I think Phil had him like sedated or something. <laughs> Give him like horse tranquilizers or something. Maybe his heat wasn't on or something. Because <laughs> anytime he's still in the in the closet, which is the quarantine room, and anytime I walk by that tub, you hear a thunk. <laughs> walk back by it, thunk. Yeah. Like Jesus Christ, man. What do I you need to feed him? What do you think of him apart from that? You like scrubs? I keep them, or I don't really have an opinion yet. Like it's they're very cool. Like they're definitely like working with them. They're very interesting uh, compared to some of the other stuff I've kept, but I don't know yet. I feel bad because, like, there's guys, like, I, I just saw Buddy Buscemi, I think, got some recently, like, within the last, like, two weeks or so, and he was posting pictures of them, and I'm like, I feel like kind of an asshole because I've got one that could totally be bred, and it's just kind of sitting there. I think he's had him for a while, actually. Has he? I think so. I don't know. He just posted pictures of him recently. I was like, man, those are cool. Yeah. Trade me a Condro for it. <laughs> He'd probably laugh in my face. He'd be like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you have a male, eh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what Phil told me he was. It has not been confirmed. It's not been confirmed. Given his age and his size, I would say he's a man. So, but he's an ass. So, thank you, Phil. I don't know what you did to him, bro. He's so cool, man. I can take him out and let him crawl around on my head. Yeah, I don't know what you did to him, bro. I got a minor getting big. Need to make babies. 
yeah, it fucking so, sure do, man. Did Andy get a tannin bar? No, no he's got the. Uh oh, we lost. Uh, we were going good, man. We were going so good, and we lost Smitty. Sorry, Dave. Dominique. Sorry. What's going on? What's that? Uh, Dominique's back. Oh, cool. Good shit. The um, how are my Malukans? They're doing really good. Um. Just kind of feeding them up a little bit. I'm going to pull back in food uh, probably in December or so till you know, maybe early March or February. Um, but I've been, you know, feeding them, you know, getting them prepared for that. Um, they're doing really good. The male seems to be on a little bit of a growth spurt, so he's getting pretty big. I need to sex them. He's shed plugs for me, so I'm, I know what he is. But I really need to get around to sex and what I believe and sold to me as a female, uh, just to you know confirm I have a pair because I know a couple people who just went around and sexed their pairs and they have two males. So it seems like a lot of males around right now, and I hope uh, you know it wasn't the case with me, but I don't think so. And but yeah, she's do- she's doing really well. The female. Um, She's uh, starting to go through her change still. She's still pretty brown, but uh, she's getting her golden, you know, every so, but they're doing good. How old are they? The female is probably, they were imported, so that's just my, you know, rough guess. Female's probably a year and a half coming up on years. Actually, uh, no, she's probably two and a half. I got them about almost two years ago. Year and a half ago. When they were still baby baby colors or no? The female, she was completely brown with like a reddish tinge to her. Yeah, but then shut out. um, The first time she was all brown. Okay. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, it took took my male almost – almost four years to be completely yellow. Like there was, it was a very, very long dynamic change. Um, We're probably around the two and a half, three year mark. How big was your four year old? Oh God, probably four and a half foot, maybe five foot. I I really didn't feed. I, 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 I probably stunted her growth. Um, or its growth, I should say. Um, I didn't sex any of them. Um, cause I real I fed like a rat pup like once a month, maybe two, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that that also helped with the aggression cause I never had a mean one ever. So never, ever, never, never, ever. never did I ever have a mean one. The bigger my male gets, it seems the more, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Confident he is. He uh, yeah. comes out and investigates when the door opens. He is uh, coming quicker to you know really come out and you know say hi. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I wonder if it's uh, it'll be a continuing theme as they get bigger. You know, they uh, get a little bit more of a, an attitude, a little more defensive. Um, 
Mm-hmm. But, uh, we shall see. The uh, the females been a, you know pretty good uh, as a, and the males been great. Uh, I mean, but now once I start to open up their cages, uh, getting a little bit of a hello. How much of a pain in the ass are they taking out? Uh, the male's a little uh, bit of a pain just because of the furnishings and whatnot I have in there. Um, mm-hmm. I got like manzanita and hides and you know all sorts of stuff. So and branches and all yeah. So um, you know, navigate. I usually just pull that stuff out when he's in his hide, and then I take everything out, and then I pull him out, put him in a can, and then uh, you know put everything back. You know, once I clean, and then put him in. So it can be a little bit of a process on that front, but the female is good. Uh, her cage is, she's got branches and what have you, but it's a little bit of an easier design and it's flat. So I can just scoop her out most of the time. How are them diamonds, boy? You posted one of those on your Instagram story the other day. Yeah, that was the female I put up. They're doing good. Um, they're about to both get cut off on food and their uh, ambient temps in there are starting to get down. They're down to like 65 already. Um, when do you bring them back up and start feeding them again? Um, typically around February. Oh, okay. So it's like a Thanksgiving to March, sort of like Thanksgiving to Valentine's Day, sort of typical. Yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, I might feed them, like, you know. I'll, I usually feed into November just because they're still pretty small. I mean, maybe the adults, I'll probably prolong it a little bit longer, but. Um, they're still a year and a half, two years. So, um, but yeah, for the most part, I treat them like, you know, how I'll treat them as adults. I really want to cool mine, like my colubrids and stuff down and put them in the garage, but, um, I don't know. I kind of don't like that idea. Hmm. There you go. That was, the. Uh... That was a male at like three years. Nice. Yeah. Dude, I mean, that, you know, dorsal markings almost a stripe. Yeah. It's a stonewash boy. Yeah, that animal was. That animal was tip top. Yeah, I'd say my male's probably around that size, maybe a little bigger. Cool. And he's probably three or four. I can't keep Boyga. Are you sure? I'm pretty certain, yeah. Dude, look at this monster. I'm really regretting I'm really regretting not buying these babies at Daytona because I really want to get back into it. And then uh, and then when um Riley and Owen their uh, colubrid corner, and I was like, "Damn, man, I really want to get back into them." Oh, did they do a new episode of those? No, that was. Uh, I'm sorry, they were joking about doing. Uh, or no, did they do? Did they do a Moldor? I can't remember now. Let me see. Are those hundred flower rats? Am I yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those yeah, man, that thing was five foot. Oh, they did. I haven't listened to that episode yet. Yeah. Damn. 
Like that's when you follow stuff on Spotify, they don't like notify you when a new episode is available. Mm-hmm. How much are your bags of Cypress in Florida? Ooh, I don't know. I haven't bought it in a while. Uh, I don't know. Ours are like four bucks. Okay, like five, six bucks maybe. Yeah. Ours are like uh, for like uh, like twenty-two bucks. Jesus. Uh, what? Why? I'm pretty sure Cypress is like processed and bagged in Florida. Yeah, but I shouldn't make a difference. Well, it gets trucked up to, you know, Connecticut. Yes. I don't know. That's just what it is around here. You're talking about Home Depot yellow label Cypress mulch. Yeah, if they even have it, yeah. Wow, dude. They, yeah, that, that's got to be a Florida thing then because it's like five fifty, six bucks bag. Yeah, or even just like a down south kind of thing. Yeah. It might be, yeah. It very well might be. But yeah, man, I'm really not buying those more glorified babies at Daytona. I think I might do that. I'm do that next year. And then, oh, and then talking to Matt about, uh, there he goes, Smitty again. Talking to Matt about uh, Arizona black rattlesnakes, and he was showing me some locality specific stuff. And uh, my friend Marcus and I were talking about getting some of those sidewinders he produced. And he, and I was, hey man, if you know anybody who breeds Arizona black, you know I wouldn't mind getting a pair of them too. And he's like, yeah, he's like I don't do them, but I got a couple buddies. I'm like, nice. So awesome. I can get that in the near future because I definitively want just a jet black rattlesnake with gold stripes. It just looks ominous. I want that. Yeah, they're beautiful. Yeah. Wonderful. Thanks. Do you keep any rattlesnakes now? I do. I've got uh, ooh, I've got I've got two male cane breaks. I've got a black diamond. I've got a Lepus clobber eye that's Franklin Mountain locality. And that's it for right now. I had Easterns and they died. That did not go well. And um, I need to get a cane. One of the cane breaks is actually a friend of ours. I'm basically babysitting it. Um, and then eventually when he gets... I think he's trying to move because I guess where he's at now is not rattlesnake friendly. Mm. And uh, when he moves, he's going to probably take that back with him. So I do want to get a female cane break, but the one I have is North Florida locality. So I really want to kind of catch my own, but it's very hard for me because it's a six, seven hour drive from me to where they're found. And Mm. I have to go at the right time of the year. I'd have to find an actual female you know, so yeah. part of me just says I'll just buy like a nice South Carolina pink or something and try and breed that. But I don't know. I have the rattlesnakes because I think they're cool, but like I don't really like want to do projects with them per se. I just kind of like them. Mm. But those Arizona blacks, I definitely want to. I definitely can see myself producing that stuff. Yeah, Justin, do you? Huh? I'll get your back. Cool. No, I was just telling. Uh, it's it's witching hour for century length. Oh yeah, I was telling Andy that I, you know I was talking to Matt about getting some of them uh, baby serastis that he has. And I wondered I, if you were going to get some. Yeah, so basically uh, he's going to wait a couple weeks and get some more meals in them, and then he's going to try and get me a pair. 
uh, uh, excuse me, try and get Marcus the pair. And then I asked him, I was like, hey, man, because he's been sending me pictures of these this one particular subspecies of Seborus that comes, or Keborus, however you want to say it, that comes from, I guess it's like, like southwestern Colorado, like in the pine tree forests. And they're not black. They almost look like a striped prairie rattler. Super cool looking. Um, but I asked him, I was like, dude, I, I really want a, a pair of blacks, like fucking black, you know? And uh, he's like, I don't keep them, but I have some friends that do, so I'll talk to them. So if he can try and get me a pair of them, that would be awesome. Just jet black rattlesnakes with gold stitching. Ooh, love it. Yeah. Like those those North Georgia timbers, boy. Yes, exactly. Exactly like those North Georgia timbers. All right, gentlemen. Unfortunately, I got to hop off here. Yeah, yeah, is it is it witching hour for you too, Justin? Um, I mean, I got a little bit of this Roma crap left, so right, unless well, you good. got somewhere to be. No, I was gonna say, Andy, if you have to depart, we love you and we are glad you joined us for episode forty nine. And here is some Arizona black rattlesnakes to end your night with. I can get this to screen share. But um. Oh shit! Oh yeah! Like, look at that, dude. Yeah. Look at that animal, dude. Mm. Just something about a jet black pit viper, you know? Yeah, I'm gonna go watch that video probably. NFK Herpin, good videos. All right, gentlemen. Thanks again for having yeah. me. Yeah, man. Always speaking with you guys. Anytime. Anytime, brother. Yeah, have a good rest of your night, guys. Later. Class act. Class act. Yeah, he's an awesome fella. And his pythons are phenomenal. So what I love else? His how often do you feed your healers? Um, I was doing it like once a month, sometimes twice a month, but now I'm feeding the crap out of her so that the, oh my God, it's almost November. <clears throat> oh, I got to feed her some more. Um, and beginning of the first week in November will be her last feeding. And then I will attempt to cool the last week of the the last the end of the first week of December, which mm -hmm. means I also have to tell Michael, my friend who has the mail, to do the same thing. His mail is way fatter and bigger than my female um, because he just feeds it like normal. Um, so if I and I got to figure out how I'm gonna how I'm gonna cool them, I got to figure this shit out. So. I'm very lackadaisical about it. But I gave her a uh, I gave her a whole rat crawler before I went on this trip. And then the day I got back, I gave her two rat pinks and then I gave her another two rat pinks last night. So You know what their eye, their eyes remind me of like a whale. Oh yeah. Totally. Totally. Total, total whale eyes. 
like soft and gentle and just also looking off in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But dude, how cool would it be if I produce Hila's? I would be so excited. Right. And Brad, I'm literally gonna like, if I get eggs, I'm literally gonna text you like every other day. Just like the incubation time on those is pretty long too, isn't it? Yeah, real long. <laughs> Dominic says, did y'all talk Sicilians yet? <laughs> no, we did not. We did not talk about Sicilians. There's nothing to talk about. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I think they're cool. But to me, if I'm going to get a Sicilian, I'm just going to get an Infuma. And then I can feed it stuff and watch it be like Jaws. You know what I mean? They're the most phallic of all herps. They are the most phallic of all amphibians. Mm. So, Dominique, if you really want to have some spread some knowledge about Sicilians, you can write an article on Sicilians for Herpeticulture Magazine. Hey. Hey, there it is. Ugh, I don't know. What? Are you the looking at look lizards? No, I'm looking at heliderms. Oh, yeah? You looking at setups? Not really, just pictures. Dude, I can't believe you got all poopy with me about the crushed walnut. Oh, I was just giving you a hard time. I didn't mean it. I didn't care. Well, no, because now you made me all paranoid that I'm keeping some of my animals on broken shards of glass. <laughs> oh, God. Like, I feel bad because, like, I watch my healers on, on crushed walnut, and she, like, all, like, nuzzles in it. Oh. Comfy. Whoa! Mm -hmm. There he is. But he's muted. He's muted. We can't hear you. You're muted. Up, oh, and he's gone. Damn it. Like a stranger in the night. The quick, the, the quick. Stranger in the night. <laughs> uh, from the future. Legit from the future. Isn't that crazy? Oh, oh, still, still can't, muted. Still can't hear you. You got to push the little mute. Ah, button. I got it. Hey. <laughs> it's gone from a PG broadcast to something not PG anymore. I mean, we're <laughs> never really PG, really PG to begin PG. with. Yeah, especially if I'm talking spot at Wi-Fi. <laughs> so, how are we, fellas? We're good, man. What's the future? Uh, cold. It's like 27 degrees. So, but the snakes will be moving tonight because we've got thunderstorms moving through. So we're throwing some of the live bearers together and hopefully we should have some awesome, uh, man. a bit of rooting going on with some some of the death adders and a few of the other bits Awesome. Do they do the, do they do the whole wiggling thing? thing? <clears throat> do they call a lure? Like, no, no, I'm no, no, they have a, 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 a almost like almost a, like a, a, a basement for the male to court the female, female. 
Oh yeah, the females if they're ready, ready to, to uh, they'll lift their tails up. But shidekis do that. It's, it's fairly common. That's the Australasian leopards. So. Get us some of them night tigers. Yeah. Huh. Get us some of them night tigers. They're together right now. Cheeky <laughs> bastards, the things that they are. So, like typical fucking boy game. They're just typically annoying, frustrating things. So, but they hold a place. Oh, they're gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. And if you guys could keep them, Irregularis, the, the night tiger, the Fusca morph. Are absolutely stunning. They're among some of the prettiest snakes out there. And like to see them on the road at night when you're in their habitat is it's like nothing else on the road, that's for sure. It's like the like freaking traffic code. Traffic code. Yeah, pretty much. Like, oh, see it. See it. oh my god. You see them for like 400 meters away. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. And straight away, you know what it is too. And they fucking put on such a show too. They're such a cantankerous little thing. Um, four, four feet See, long, but they think they're 40 feet. Yeah, like my cyania, though, they don't do any of that. Like, oh, I have no, to really open your fucking mouth, take you across the road. They're fucking nasty. It's funny as fuck. None of mine. None of mine. Does anyone mind you? We laugh at people getting bitten by shit, so. Does anyone laugh at people the Australian Australian no, yeah, there's a few no. of those. There's a few of us that breed them. But I don't know if anyone breeds them overseas. They're, you've got to incubate the eggs cold. That's one thing that people fuck up. They usually get eggs, but they try and incubate them at 30 degrees and they kill all the eggs. 24 to 27 is what we incubate a lot of our stuff at. But even like our brown snake eggs, our taipan eggs, shidekis eggs, we incubate at usually 28 degrees Celsius. So we incubate cooler than everybody else. It means that our our uh, incubation uh, intervals a bit longer, but the animals that the babies come out, they're stronger. They seem to hold more weight. They don't want to eat straight away. The minute you feed it, the minute they hatch out of the egg, they're not looking for food. But it doesn't matter if they don't eat for three weeks because they've got the condition on. They haven't mm-hmm. burnt through mm-hmm. all that yolk during the bloody egg. You know, these are these are reptiles, they're not fucking battery hens, like a lot of people sort of try to get their animals. Yeah, yeah. But I'm controversial with shit like that. I call people out on bullshit. So you know That's why we love I, I think it, love I think um racks awesome for certain animals, cages awesome for certain animals. This cookie cutter approach where everything has to go into a rack or everything has to go into this, my way is the best way. You're a fucking moron. You keep what a concept to the way the animal needs to be kept and modify it, fucking approve it, modify it in such a way it should be. Preach, you know? preach. Um, but you know, look, just because somebody can keep an animal and keep it alive doesn't mean they're keeping it well. Just because somebody can breed an animal doesn't mean they're keeping it well. It doesn't mean the animal's thriving because it wants to fucking do what it's innately programmed to do. Mm-hmm. That does not equal success. Equaling success is somebody that can repeatedly breed, breed species, can has an animal that doesn't have fucking ailments every six months because they're not keeping it right. But, hey, we'll call it fucking respiratory syndrome because the snake just gets respiratory every year. Well, maybe you should change how you fucking keep it. 
and it won't get respiratory anymore because its immune system isn't compromised. Here, 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 here. So, see, and this is what happened. I get on a fucking rant, and yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. It's a famous it's thing. Famous thing. I keep an elephant in my living room, but it's still but an elephant. Still an elephant. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's honestly, it's like that fucktard that was um, arguing with me yesterday on that fucking uh, on Thomas's fucking forum. Um, oh, Facebook page. I'm old, so I call them forums. Yeah, so they deal with it. We got you. Um, and like the dude goes, yeah, don't keep collet snakes as first snakes. Well, fuck me, dead. If you want to keep a venomous snake over here, the first venomous snake you tend to keep over here, besides someone else's, which is ideal, is a fucking collet snake. The guy didn't say he wanted to know what's the good best first venomous. I say collet snake. The dude goes, no, they're a bad collet snake. Post himself a video of him fucking harassing the fuck out of this snake. The poor thing's so foodie, it's striking at him. Well, of course it's going to strike at him. Guess what? If you fucking wave your hand in front of me like a fucktard, I'm going to strike at you too. So anyway, so then he tells me all about his experience. And, and I look, don't get me wrong. I, I, you can learn something from somebody who's been keeping reptiles six fucking minutes, let alone six years, let alone fucking 60 years. It's fucking completely irrelevant. But if you're a douche, you're a fucking douche either way. And he turns around and goes, I keep four specimens of collet snakes. I know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, right, okay, cool. Where was he located? Was he located? Oh, in the States. Oh, okay. Anyway, so that's all good. That's fine. You know, he's a fucking internet expert. And he turns around and goes, I've been, I, you know, I'm 23 years old. I know what's doing. I was, dude, dude, I bred the fuckers in 1993, 94, and 95. That was before you were fucking born. I said, I've been keeping them a little while. I think I've got a bit of an understanding on how to fucking keep them and whether how dangerous they are. He goes, oh, well, you shouldn't recommend them. It's irresponsible. I'm like, yep, yeah, all right, cool, whatever. <laughs> so, fucking idiots. So, you know, and then, you know, I saw the shit on your fucking post. Who gives a fuck? You put your hand in with the boy, yeah, you made a fucking mistake. Who gives a shit? It's not the end of the world. You're still alive. You post it up so people don't make the same silly fucking mistake, which we all have made, won't you? Right. right? We all make. Right? I cut fucking corners every day. Right? And I could tell you that I don't, but it'd be lying. And you know what? Fuck it. I just own the shit. You know, it's the same reason why at the end of a fucking hurt meeting, I put that photo up of me going into anaphylactic shock because I was handling that snake like a fucking moron. All right? It's a venomous snake. What was I doing? I was using my fucking hands to cover it so I could curl it up to get a fucking photo. Right? The thing chews on my fucking hand. What do I do? Oh, well, such is life. Big deal. It's a fucking snake. It bit me. It's not meant to be that bad. 20 minutes later, I'm going into anaphylactic shock from a species I've never actually dealt with before. I am shitting myself. I am scared shitless. We're 100 Ks from fucking anywhere. There's no mobile service. There's no, oh, shit, I think I need fucking antihistamines. I don't have any antihistamines. I don't have any adrenaline, right? You know how I got out of that? Dumb fucking luck. That's how I got out of that. It's as simple as that. Dumb fucking luck. I didn't know I was allergic. I'd never been fucking bitten by a hemiaspis before. I'd never even seen one of the motherfuckers. And yet I go into anaphylactic shock. Obviously, there's an, a protein or an enzyme within snake venom that through my years of making mistakes previously when I have been bitten by other shit, obviously there's something in there that fucked me up 
and then I went into anaphylactic shock. Now, after that, I learned from that mistake. Now, that mistake happened in 2005. Pretty much every course that I teach, I put those photos up. And feel free, Phil, when you're doing your courses at Underground, put yeah, those photos yeah. up. Go, this dude almost fucking died from an anaphylactic reaction to a snake that isn't meant to do shit. So yeah. when you're fucking yeah. around with hog noses, you know, fucking around with false water cobras and you're fucking around with boiga, you take those things and you treat them with respect. It's not fucking hard. And the reality of it is, is monitors are venomous too. I don't give a shit. I'll argue with any motherfucker about that. Right? It's all well and good that you want to go start, oh, bacteria. Fuck off, it's bacteria. It's been proven to be venom. So just get over it, understand that it's venom, move on. Just because something is venomous does not equal it being dangerous. Mm -hmm. However, mm -hmm. if you have a predisposition to allergies, like this little black duck, then I've got to be cautious. So you know what? I don't put my fucking hand in monitor's mouth when I can avoid it. I don't get bitten by fucking snakes. I don't get bitten by snakes full stop if I can avoid it now. I don't care if it's almost fucking harmless. I take, treat it with respect. You know, at the end of the day, that that was the best wake-up call for me and the scariest wake-up call for me all at the same time. And if my mistake can teach others, then, hey, it's a mistake that's got some value. But, Scott, it's not, it's real, not real venom. Yeah, no, it's not real venom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Has, anyone, has, yeah. has anyone actually had another reaction besides yours to that species? No, no, no. no. Yeah. Usually, usually your hand swells up like a balloon. I, I'll send you photos of the the other thing. Like I freaked the fuck out of people. Like I was catching snakes that afternoon, and I was having trouble. I was trying to grab a six foot textilis, and I was having to do it reverse handed because I couldn't close my right hand. It was that swollen from the venom, and and this was venom. Now it wasn't the anaphylaxis. The hand was that swollen from the venom that I couldn't actually close it. So as I'm trying to catch this fucking brown snake and grab by the tail, I couldn't do it. So I had to grab it backhanded. Um, you know the, the stupid shit we do when we're 20 years old, 25 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've been there. We've been there. So, well, it's, for me, it's for like me, if you like want to post, post pictures of you, you handling, handling, you know. Boigers, boigers. Why don't you just get a clip? Uh, it's all a big pissing match, mate. You know, they... Look, I can't say that I haven't done stupid shit. I've free-handled all sorts of crazy shit over the years, and I've done some dumb shit. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, But don't try and... What really shits me is when people pretend that they've never done anything fucking stupid in their life. You know, people take risk all the day, We all, all every day. You cross a road, you, you've got a calculated risk, you know, but it's all about sort of risk mitigation as you get older. And especially if you're trying to uh, trying to put yourself in a position where you are going to be sort of teaching other people, you need to be better than that. It's as simple as that. Well, that's yeah, why I was so surprised, so surprised with the comments, comments, you know, that Phil was talking about with that Boyga post, like, like Someone in that person's position who has been in things as long as they have, I would expect more from you. Are you talking about TC? Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Ego is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Very much so. And you know what? It doesn't matter if it gets back to him because fucking, I wouldn't say, I was not like I wouldn't say it to his face anyway. So, um, but look, he. Look, I met him. I met him when he was over here. He's a nice enough guy, I suppose. You know, he's he's been around a long time. He knows a lot of shit. 
Um, fucking hell, he's fucking also got some crazy. So he's got some interesting opinions as well. You know? Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. It's very well, much fucking like do as I do and not as I say. Oh yeah, and I've oh, told yeah. people a couple times that he saved my ass knowledge about uh, not physically, but keeping an animal alive or you know, setting it up, setting it up for you, or, you know, that's a success. And I and I appreciate the wealth of knowledge. The ego fucking ruins it. Ruins it. Yeah, a lot of people have got fucking egos. I got an ego. You know, it's like it's it's funny. You know what? You wouldn't be doing shows like this if you don't have some sort of an ego either. You know, so a little bit of ego is a good thing. It's when it, when you can't keep the fucking thing in check is where it becomes a problem. So, and look, there's a lot of people, particularly on Facebook, that cannot keep their fucking egos in check. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I like to think of it this way. You know, that I when I first started keeping reptiles, I kept, you know, and I, I started catching venomous snakes in my early, early years. You know, I caught a tiger snake when I was five years old, for fuck's sake. So, you know, I'm not, it's not a smart thing to do. There's no way I'll be saying, hey, go out and catch tiger snakes. It's not a smart thing to do. Um, but I was keeping venomous snakes from the age of 10. And it was only because I didn't give a shit. I'd go out to my backyard. I'd go and catch it. I'd bring it home. Eventually, my parents caved and gone, well, he's going to keep doing it. We might as well fucking set him up properly. Um and you know, by the by the age of fucking twelve, I had tigers, browns, copperheads, black snakes, all sorts of shit that I was keeping. Um, and so, by the time I was eighteen, I'd been keeping venomous snakes for like six years, and I reckon that is the worst age of a venomous keeper. Keeping venomous reptiles for about six or seven years is the absolute fucking worst, right? After that, they start to mellow out a bit because at that time, when they've been keeping venomous snakes for six years, those guys think that they know fucking everything. They're experts. They're the, the smartest dudes in the room, all this sort of stuff. No, those guys don't know. They're too stupid to know what they don't know. Um, and the longer you keep reptiles, the more you start to realize how little you actually fucking know and how more open you are to listening to other people. Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, but but also too, like listening to people from across the globe, they've got completely different ideas on things and completely different ways of looking at something. Um, yeah, we're all humans and all the rest of it, but we all have different ways of looking at things, and because we all have different ways of looking at things, you can you don't necessarily be looking through the same rose-colored glasses as everybody else. You're not all drinking the same Kool-Aid, so to speak. Yeah, anyway, fun and games. Yeah, it's funny because I posted pictures, pictures of my condo setups on Instagram, and there were European guys that were like, "That's that's a horrible way to keep them," and it's because the guys in Europe in Europe keep their stuff in you know really elaborate setups. But how, how how do they keep them though? Why how are they getting better success in keeping those animals? Like what? I don't think they are. I think, I think it's just the whole, whole like animal, animal cruelty because my chondro, which is dumb enough to try and eat its water bowl, you know, isn't in a elaborate naturalistic setup. Well, there's also a, a running, I would say, a joke. There's always been a saying, at least for the states, 
that while the United States was learning how to make morphs, Europe was learning how to keep the animal better and healthier. And like, I kind of, I kind of agree with it to a certain extent. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think Australia is sort of halfway in between the two. Yeah, you know, like it's it's halfway between um, whether we keep animals in such a way that um, you know we keep them a bit like the Europeans in some ways, and we also keep them a bit like uh, the Americas. But then we've also got our own style that a lot of keepers over here keep stuff outside. And I do not, for the life of me, understand why you guys do not keep bullshit outside. It makes no sense to me. And if I was in Florida, I'd be definitely considering keeping condros outside for at least six months, nine months right. a year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it also comes down to that I can't because, A, I'm not supposed to have them in my apartment. And, B, um, it's, I don't trust native wildlife and I don't trust other humans. Yeah, we have raccoons. They'll eat anything they can get their yeah. hands on. Yeah. Uh, it's, I don't know. You, uh, look, we've got fucking cane toads. We've got cats. We've got possums. We've got other snakes. We've got goannas that come into our backyard. Um, you know, you have a fucking six foot lace one of a crow cruise over your back fence. Sees a carp, python, or a fucking hippocarpus in an enclosure, it's looking at that thing going, "That's a fucking deal," and I hazard to guess a a sixteen kilo, six foot lace monitor is probably as strong, if not stronger, than a fucking raccoon. Um, it just means that your your enclosures that you keep outside aren't necessarily kept aren't set up in such a way that you're only worrying about the um, the security of the animal from getting out, but also the security of the animal, making sure that nothing gets in as well. Um, you know, we make no bones about it. We fucked up when we were keeping parentes outside. We still keep parentes outside. We had a cane toad get in and we fucking lost a $3,000 lizard to a cane toad. Ooh, ooh, damn, damn. You know, and that, and reality of it is we lost that cane toad, we lost that parenti through my fault as a keeper. I fucked that up. The reason that lizard died was my fucking husbandry because I did not take into account cane toads in the backyard. You know, and that's the thing. You you can either own your mistakes, and I think if you own your mistakes, that's a, a much better way of being, or you can pretend that they don't happen and pretend that we never lose snakes and no one ever has a fucking death and all the rest of it. You know, our enclosures never get shit in them. And, you know, it, it's, it's such a bullshit fucking view of the world that we put ourselves out to be. Know? We all make mistakes. We, we're all fucking human. Um, it's how we, it's the integrity we we act upon when we're telling telling our story and whether we're truthful or not, and also whether or not we keep with the the idea in our head that we don't need to have every fucking snake. We can keep less animals but keep them better. And the reality of it is, is that's something that uh, Ty and I are doing now. I mean, at the end of the day, we're it's a two-person collection. It's not my collection. It's our collection. Um, and the reality of it is we're keeping less animals now than we ever have, but we're keeping the animals that we do have better. Um, and it's not to say that we weren't keeping the animals well beforehand, 
It's just that we can spend a little bit more time with things and if you speak and spend a little bit more time, you pick up on little things earlier in the piece. Um, the other thing that we've also gone to, we're keeping our animals in bigger enclosures than we used to. And by having them in bigger enclosures, we can observe them better, we can see more and we're learning more. So, you know, it's it's up to everybody. Everybody picks their picks their role. Everyone's got their ethical standard that they want to live by and that's entirely on them, I suppose. And I'm not judging anyone else either, by the way. I think it's great. I think it's great. Anyway, I was really looking forward to coming to the States and talking at fucking Herpeton and COVID fucked that in the ass. So that, that kind of sucked. You know, hey, we'll get over we there. I'll go pain. chase some tail shakers and shit. So, you know, you guys will get to deal with a crazy Australian at some point. So. <laughs> I'd like to go and harass Asmiops and Chrysalis. Oh, there's so many fucking nice animals over there to go and play with. Bears rats. Fucking bears rats. Fucking. They look like they're wearing <laughs> fucking goggles. They're fucking googly eyed motherfucking things. Oh, look, you know what? As long as you like them, more power to you, mate. More power to you. So, so Scott, how do I, how do I, how do I get a copy of your book, man? I've been trying to find, and I fucking can't find it. Which one? The the venomous. The venomous. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> mate, they sold out. Well, it's really sold out. You won't so, get it. So, well, how do we get more? How do we get more? How do we make more? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure yet. Um, uh, I, I won't be releasing it the same way it is now anyway. If I redo it, I won't be redoing it the way it is. It'll be a, a, a full-on update. So, um, I have a plan. But I've got the lizard book that's uh, sort of in press at the moment, so I've got to get that knocked over. And I've got a couple of other papers that I want to finish off before I do any of that stuff. And and then, yeah, once I've done that, it'll be about 10 years since I worked on the Lapid book, and it'll be time for a, a redo. So, yeah. A lot of things have changed in 10 years, you know. Spent 30 grand on a fucking herp room in that time. Right, right. Um, you know that, and I, I suppose that's the other thing. You know, I built that hurt room because I didn't want to keep animals inside the house anymore. And by doing that hurt room, spending thirty k on a fucking hurt room, you do it once, but you do it right. And like the enclosures, our enclosures around the outside. I don't know if you guys see photos of it, but it's um, each enclosure that's around the outside is four foot by three foot deep by basically the bottom enclosure and the top enclosures are, are three foot high and the ones in the middle are uh, 15 inches high. So they're four foot by three feet deep by 15 inches like the smallest enclosures in there. And, you know, you put four foot of lapids in there and the fucking things stretch out and they absolutely love it. Um, super, our olive pythons are in big enclosures and they love it too. Our taipans are in big enclosures and they love it. It's fucking great. And then... The crazy part is, is that we've got heating in there and stuff like that, obviously. And the snakes will, we've got windows in the roof, double glazed windows in the roof, and the snakes will follow the sun as the sun hits their enclosure. They'll go and bask in the actual sunlight because obviously their eyes are picking up on the UVA that's in the sunlight as opposed to what the lighting is in the enclosures. Um, and they'll go and 
actually sort of bask using the sun. And then at night, the moon phases affect the movement within the room. So a lot of snakes um, are affected by moon phases. They don't, nocturnal species don't move that much when it's the full moon. Wow. And so, and you walk in there on the full moon and all the death adders, they're all curled up, they're hidden away, they're waiting for food. They're not out moving. The minute that that moon phase is gone or the moon sets for the night or hasn't risen yet, those animals are out in their cruise and the mulgars are cruising. The pythons are moving, the boiga are moving, the uh, adders are moving, all that stuff's moving because it's the moon hasn't risen yet. And you got to think about it. So in the wild, the animals aren't moving. That They're moving during that time because it's dark. So the mammalian prey have got better light sensitivity when there's more, when there's a moon out so they can see their predators coming. They can't see their predators coming with the lights turned out. So that's why there's so much more movement and predation events, things like that, going on when there's no moon. Because you've got to remember, the snakes get eaten at night as well. Things like fucking owls and fucking all sorts of shit prey on snakes. So they're getting predated upon when it's dark as well. So they like to pretend, they like to prefer to move when there's no light around. And so by having those windows in the room, in the roof, we're actually seeing some of these natural behaviors coming into our animals in captivity, which we never saw before. Not to say that they weren't happening, but we never saw Makes it. Sense. So, um, and I wonder with some of the ones that are really hard species that are perceived to be hard to breed, it's probably not that hard to breed. It's probably that you haven't figured out whatever the trigger is that's required to keep that animal and get turn that animal and go from that animal just being able to subside in captivity to actually being able to thrive. You know, and I think that's the problem with bolans. I think people are struggling with bolans, not because bolans are a hard snake to keep. They're not a hard snake to keep. People can keep them alive fine. They just don't know what that trigger is to get them to do breed properly. Now, we don't know what it is, whether it's a food thing, whether it's a light thing, whether it's UV, whether it's humidity, whether it's temperature. Who the fuck knows? It could be a combination of all things. And if you don't get that right, you're not doing it right. And then you talk to these newer style keepers and, Michael Besky is a, a, a great example of that. He's a guy that doesn't listen necessarily to what everybody used to do and is just looking at what the animals are getting, the animals telling him what to do. And he's having really good success with really challenging species because he's listening to what the animals are telling him, you know, no. as opposed to just going, you know, that same cookie cutter approach, treat every animal the same way and thinking that, you know, it's the definition of craziness. If you keep doing things exactly the same way and expecting a different result, you're fucking you're you're bound to fail. That's so great. That's so great. I can't agree enough. Hope you enjoyed it. And I'm gonna have to get going because I've got to do some work. Yeah, it's bedtime anyways. Yeah, All right, well <laughs> two o'clock in the afternoon over here, fellas. So I don't know where you guys are going to bed. It's like you have an afternoon kip. <laughs> Well, thanks for coming, thanks man. We're really appreciate it. Love having you on. All right, we'll talk to you at some point in the future. All right, man. We'll talk to you in a few hours. Perfect. Say, right, wait. Let it. Well, that the was internet a definitive treat, dude. As much as I love Andy, that made my night. The internet superhighway. Dude, and, like, it's so crazy, like, not to, like, 
not to boost his fucking ego, but dude, when you watch someone or you read about someone that is in your hobby or in your community and you, for lack of a better word, you fanboy over them or whatever, and you follow their work and stuff, and then they, they, they get to break your balls on a regular basis on Facebook, like, that's fucking awesome. I love it. And, like, I'm I just kind of What's that? Said so if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> but no, but for real, like, how many people get to do that? And, like, we just did it. Like, that's awesome. Like I regret not getting that Alapid book when I had the chance. I, I really do. And like and like every time that he messaged me on Facebook, he's like, "Oh, check out this, you know, Red Belly Black," or "Oh, dude, look at this Tiger Snake we just got." And I'm like, "Fuck, man, why did I get that book? I should have got his book." It annoys me, but I just think it's cool that we can have people across the world just pop in. Yeah, in his car, which happens to have the steering column on the wrong side of the vehicle. <laughs> From the future. Or play Mortal Kombat with a friend in Vietnam. Yeah, right. Exactly. All right. Well, I think this was a great show. Episode 49. So, hey, next week is episode 50. It is. And we're going to have uh, uh, Puget Sound Pythons on. Yes. I think that's befitting. And uh, are we going to do anything special for the show? I don't, I don't know. Think of something. Well, I saved that saber tooth, so I'm definitely going to smoke that. Oh. And, uh, yeah, we'll think of something. Word. Have you orchestrated episode 100 of THP? <clears throat> it's happening Thursday. Um, not exactly sure what we're going to do yet. Okay. I don't, it's just like I don't really know what there is that can be done. No. Are you guys going to try and do the live thing? Probably, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. 50 shots of gin. Oh, God, no. Dude, I had three fingers of gin to start this show. And then afterward, I was like, I'm done. I'm done. That three fingers was just enough. <laughs> Only takes a little. And uh, Brad, thank you for the compliment. Glad yes. you enjoyed it. And this is episode 49. See y'all next week. Thanks for watching and listening. Puget Sound Pythons. Good night, Moon. See you. Bye.